Wires Talk Radio that you control, 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call if you'd like to get on with us and talk about whatever's on your mind. That's 603-283-6160. Sorry, I realized I didn't turn myself up. I did the other two ladies here in the studio, which are, um, other than me, Bonnie, Nikki, and Lori. Yes, so I was really quiet there, so I'll give it again. It's 603-283-6160. That's the phone number to call in if you'd like to get on with us and talk about whatever is on your mind or whatever you're talking about. It doesn't matter. That's what Free Talk Live is all about. So this is exciting. We have another episode of She Talk Live. It's been a minute. Yep. I don't since think... Aria left, yeah, right? I was going to say, I don't think there's been one since Aria left. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. We used to do that every Wednesday for those that are new here, just me, Aria, and Nikki, and we called it She Talk Live instead of Free Talk Live. And uh, and then Lori was doing it for a while. Yeah. With, um, it was like a year ago. I think right? it was with uh, us and Aria. Yeah. Yep. And then I think we had an episode, the three of us, right? Yep, we did. That was yeah. one of the first ones I ever uh, was the yeah. first chair. That was a good one, too. I, I don't even remember what we talked about, but I just remembered we had like such a good show. I so remember we talked about Free Britney. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, it was good. And now she's allegedly free, but it seems more like they just went covert with the like control of, over her life. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. That whole Britney situation, I haven't been like following it too closely. And we're talking about Britney Spears, um, if anyone is not familiar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just seems like maybe she was insane. I don't know if it was like psych meds or trauma or whatever. But now we're kind of seeing like based on just her content on social media. It's like, OK, she's obviously like asking for help. Like, I think it's yeah, so she feels very unhinged. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what happened. But I don't know. I imagine living your whole life with somebody orchestrating everything you do would yeah. make you insane the moment yeah. you get, you know, all of that plopped in your lap. Mm-hmm. And a lot of child stars. I mean, we saw that with like who like Lindsay Lohan and some of the other um, child stars where like they finally, you know, like they're out of the grasp of Disney. Like they stop being a Disney star and then finally they get some freedom when they're like a teenager or an adult and then they just like can't handle it because they're so used to everything being controlled and kind of Justin you know. Bieber too. Justin Bieber went yeah. like driving around. I didn't know this until just like two days ago that there's a video of Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez where it's, you know, not 100 percent confirmed, but it's pretty obvious that they were going there to try to buy meth. And I was just Ooh, like, I didn't know about that. Like, I just wouldn't expect a celebrity, like big celebrities like that, like some of the biggest celebrities to be like, yeah, let's do meth. Yeah. You think they would do better drugs? Yeah. like <laughs> No. <laughs> well, I'm older than you guys. So you don't remember like Whitney Houston back in the day. With oh, the crack yeah. Is whack, and like, they've yeah. always done all of the drugs. Yeah. Well, she was saying she didn't do crack. Maybe she was. Lying. Yeah. Well, she was definitely doing crack. though. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Where's the receipt? <laughs> I just think that's crazy. Like. Uh, I don't know. It'd be so sad if like Selena Gomez became like I don't know, that, anorexic with pox all over her face. Well, and it does seem like meth does really feel like next level. Like it does really feel like beyond crack. Even beyond crack, yeah, honestly. You know, yeah, like it really just does. It, not I don't that know. crack is okay. <laughs> I mean, all of these things should be legal, in my opinion. It was just really shocking to me. And um, since this is a show about how, mostly about how crappy the government is, let's get into this article I have here about the U.S. Air Force wanting $5.8 billion to build 1,000 AI-driven unmanned combat aircrafts, possibly more, as part of its next-generation air dominance initiative. 
So that means they want to kill people with robots, unmanned flying robots. It says the Air Force is seeking a multi-billion dollar budgetary allowance to research and build at least a thousand, but possibly more unmanned aircraft driven by AI pilots. I'm sorry. This just like really feels like Star Wars to me. Yeah. Like they literally did this (laughs) and it did not end well. Hmm. What happened in Star Wars? You know what I mean? Well, I just like the Empire, you know, like it, it was... The clones? They were definitely, yeah, like they were definitely used... For evil. Well, the clones were different because the clones, they just like cloned this one guy. But he was. So that was that army. But then they also had like, I guess, well, I guess the stormtroopers aren't really, um, like they're still people. They are the clones, but they also had like the robot army thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. It just seems, it it seems, I don't know, unethical to me. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. Anyway, like AI can't even get fingers right in a picture. How are, yeah. you, how are you going to let AI have control over lives? That's, That's a great point. I'm still not okay with the idea of unmanned cars driving around on highways and stuff. I don't know if that's really happening yet. I know that th- things will happen like... I think it is. In um, San Francisco, I think they mm-hmm. had like taxis. Whoa. Like I, I think like, um, like beta type testing things are being done in certain areas. I know that like Tesla's, if you're in the parking lot with it, you can tell it drive to me. <laughs> yep, yep, there's that feature. And then I think some cars also will, will like, parallel park because yep. they do have the sensors. Um, and, and like, I don't know. There's nothing crazy about that to me, but when it comes to, like, oh, I'm going to drive h- halfway across the city and come pick you up and bring you to where you want to go, that's just crazy. It just seems to me like I can't trust AI to be that good yet. Like, it's not just going to be, like, whatever, I'm taking the risk, I'm taking the exit, you know, and cut someone off and kill people. It all seems unnecessary and yeah. really rushed. Well, like, if you can't parallel park, then don't park in a parallel parking space. I don't <laughs> yeah, know, right? Like, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I tend to avoid it. So <clears throat> let's go on. It says the XQ-58A Valkyrie aircraft, a potential contender for the Air Force's collaborative combat aircraft program, is meant to serve as a robotic wingman a human piloted aircraft able to provide cover and maneuver around in scenarios where a flesh and blood pilot might struggle. Hmm. The New York Times reported, oh, and they're ideal for suicide missions in which a human would be unlikely to return. That, I mean, the first thing I thought just, was suicide, like kamikaze, like just driving, flying into a group of people. I'm sure that's yeah. one of. Or like, you know, I'm thinking of like suicide bomber type things. I know that's yep. different because normally they're not in airplanes, but it just really feels like why are we sending anything or anyone on missions like that? Like, yeah. why is that necessary? It's pretty awful, awful to even think of like humans actually doing that. But, um, you know, just in the name of getting more oil for the United States. And that's the thing about this whole thing. I'm like, I feel like it just no matter no matter what the military is doing, like just the thought of increasing the budget for spending for anything for the military. It's like, we're talking about going to murder people here. Yeah. You know, so it's like any reason or anything that is kind of supposed to help that or increase (laughs) that, I'm just going to be against. Yeah. Like, it just always feels like a bad idea. It always feels unethical. Like, there's no good way (laughs) to do this, you know? And it's, I mean, some people could argue like, okay, well, if we have robots fighting wars, then it's less human casualties 
But well, still, it's like, why Why are we doing this? That would just be less American you human know? Ca- casualties, right? Exactly, because, yeah. First of all, I mean, even piloted drones and stuff have killed real people that weren't supposed to be getting killed, like wedding parties, famously. Yeah. Um, Children, so I mean, like innocent people. I mean, yeah. all of them are innocent more than likely, but, you know, it's sad. Like family, like um, residential type areas. And it just seems wrong to me, even if it is people who signed up to be in the war against robots it seems wrong to me to be like oh your country's life versus our robot fighting fighting jets it's just kind of pathetic to me that we haven't evolved past violence and destruction yeah it's like can we not just have like two world leaders like especially at this point where we have governments we have you know elected and established leaders right we we haven't evolved to like two of these world leaders can have a conversation about something and actually settle things, you know, the diplomatic way versus like, okay, well, you're not doing what I want you to do or I want to steal this from you. So we're going to go bomb your country and murder a bunch of people. It's, like, why is that the solution at this point in civilization? It's pathetic. It's the only solution now. Yeah. It used to be like, oh, we're going to war. But now it's like, which one? Which war that we're yeah. in, yep. it's constant war. Yep, the whole time I've been alive, the whole time most people I know have been alive, America has been at war, and it hasn't even been declared from Congress since, I think, World War Two, or maybe World War One, just way before any of us three were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about it that bothers me is the fact that they always ask for way more money than they need, and then the Pentagon is always like losing a trillion dollars that they can't keep track of. So it's yeah. like they're asking for multi billions here. I wonder if they even need that to. I doubt it. Build these. Yeah, I, I, they always ask for more than they need. The government always does because um, they'll just print more money for them. When yeah. we've done um, shows where we talked about articles specifically about the Pentagon and their accounting issues and how they're constantly losing money, um, and even you know the military spending budget, they're like, oh yes, um, this is a twelve thousand dollar mug. Yeah. Like, oh, really? You know, they're just so sketchy. Yep. Because the contractors that build things can ask for whatever price they want, and they'll be given it because the government is basically mostly about the prison and, or I meant to say the military industrial complex. It's money laundering. Yeah. That's all absolutely. Mass scale legalized money laundering. Like, I mean, that's like all of politics, right? The whole government. Yeah. Like when the um, terrorists from 9-11 came just to destroy a room filled with money and money receipts or something like that at the Pentagon. Seems so um, likely that that would happen. (laughs) Says later this year, the craft will be tested in a simulation where it will create its own strategy to chase and kill a target over the Gulf of Mexico. The Times reported. That seems really dangerous. Aren't people like fishing down there? Insider previously reported that the Valkyrie can cruise at 550 miles per hour. Its operational altitude is 45,000 feet with a range of 3,000 nautical miles. They are also, so does that mean the range? Does that mean like how far away it can be from the operator? Um, I'm not sure. It's, yeah, it must be, yeah. Because I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, how far can your remote go? It's probably not a remote, but what, what if you... Well, if it's AI, yeah, I, I just... And there's actually a... Oh, wait. It's an AI. It's probably got, like, some kind of communication tower. Yeah. Yeah. What if it, like, loses Wi-Fi in the middle of the air? Like, does it just fall on somebody's house? 
I mean, who knows? Probably. I'm sure it's not Wi-Fi. I'm just being silly. But it says there are also other research and development efforts underway. The budgetary estimate, which Congress has not yet approved, lists $5.8 billion in planned expenses over five years to build collaborative combat aircraft systems like Valkyrie. The request comes after several years of test flights by the Air Force of the Valkyrie platform in which the vehicle has been used as a data link for F-22s, F-35s, and the Air Force's Skyborg program. Just come on, like, you're naming it Skyborg. It sounds like um, Terminator. Yeah. Skynet and Borg <laughs> program, uh, which is an artificial intelligence-enabled system to control unmanned aircraft. I knew this guy when I lived at military a military base in Utah called Dugway Proving Ground. His dad used to test vehicles for the military in Yuma Proving Ground in Arizona. And he told me that his dad told him that they were driving uh, like military tanks or something like that, like some kind of vehicle with Xbox controllers. Like that was like a new thing in like 2012. An RC tank. Well, I don't know exactly what he was driving. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. but no, either way, an RC, like, military vehicle, you know, like, no matter what it is, it's just like, oh, that's strange. It wasn't just any, like, uh, remote either. It was an Xbox Oh, like, specifically. And I was just thinking, like, that's why they have all these boys playing Xbox. It's like (laughs) training. training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All the Call of Duty games. Yep. Yeah. It's just, like, really disgusting. It's like, this is a game to them. Yeah. Literally. That's so true. Well, it helps dehumanize. Yeah, the the mm-hmm. other person that they're attacking. That's what I've always thought about Call of Duty and those other games. Yeah, like even when I see a commercial because I play this phone game all the time called Angry Birds. I usually play it just so I can like listen to a podcast and have something like I'm doing with my hands. And um, I get so many ads on that because like I watch an ad to get some reward. It's ridiculous, but. All, a lot of the ads are about another phone game they're trying to make me play. And I don't want to play like any other one. I just want to play that one. But a lot of them will be basically like some kind of Call of Duty phone game where you're killing like 100 people at once. And I'm always just thinking like, I, I know it's like the thing that moms would do in the 90s. Like, this is making our son violent. But it, it probably is. has to at least be making people think less about human life. It's crazy to me yeah it just seems like there's i don't know better things to do i always i always feel that way with like especially those violent video games it's like can't you play animal crossing or something a little bit more civilized yeah i, <laughs> I don't mean, know i used to play a lot of call of duty <laughs> i'm just but, not good at it like i can't even point and and walk forward i'm just so bad at it i'm not really um like a video game person in general like aside from like mario hmm. that's all i'm really interested in the main thing i ever really played was ds games because it's like right in front of your face yeah like like nintendogs yeah like nintendogs animal crossing (laughs) wild world and like mario games like you said i I don't know how we got into this basically just because that's basically what the military is it's a video game because they have this thing called the skyborg program and they're testing artificial intelligence enabled systems to control unmanned aircrafts um I don't know that that one part about it really freaks me out that they are controlled by artificial intelligence. Like, is there going to be a human? Well, it doesn't it doesn't make it really any better. If there's a human in D.C. sitting there controlling something, it doesn't really make me feel better in the human rights aspect um, that there's somebody in Iraq or whatever 
getting bombed by this thing that they have absolutely no defense against. Yeah, either way, I just really don't like it. It's like, think of like dual rules. Like, I don't know, like back in the day when people would fight with swords or something. Yeah. So they wouldn't just go up behind somebody and be like, stop, I stabbed you in the, with a yeah, sword in the back. Yeah, it's fighting dirty, right? Yeah, it's fighting dirty. That's what it seems like to me. But on huge proportions that we've never seen before. Um, the Times, citing congressional exceptions, reported that the costs of the Air Force's collaborative combat aircraft will be between $3 million and $25 million, depending on their status as expendable, attri- I don't know what that word says, or exquisite. Even the higher-end figure is far less than a manned aircraft with a pilot, both of which are valuable to the force. So they're trying to, you know, make it sound good because it costs less because there's not a human on it. Well, they want them cheap so that they can kill more, drive them into buildings and blow people up. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I I really think they'd probably be doing stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, they already said that, right? The the suicide, suicide missions. missions. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, we don't have to kill people anymore. Or no, sorry. Only- they are still killing people. Now they just don't have to waste their own hmm. resources and soldiers. They can right. just, you know. It Cut only has to own. fly for, you know, just a little bit of time. We can make them cheap. Yep. Like I've heard that in World War II, there was something where somebody was like, oh, look, this type of aircraft was the best because... It came back looking the best, but really it was a bad study because all those ones were the ones that didn't actually make it out because all the ones that went, they came back really messed up Mm -hmm. because I I don't know. So I just think it could be a suicide mission as in usually they just go there, shoot until the plane gets taken down. So we'll probably just like shoot at people until it gets taken down. But if they're doing kamikaze stuff, that's just another level of crazy. Just we're just going to take this. RC, uh, not helicopter, what are these things? Jets, and just shoot it straight at a building, like you said. That's crazy. Well, it won't even be RC. AI, they'll be like, you know, programmed to do a right. job. And then it'll just leave and go do its job. They don't have to do anything. So that's even less work that they have to do. They don't even need to have somebody controlling it. That's so crazy. They just program them all and then they fly. I'm just realizing it probably wouldn't be from DC. They probably have like a base in the country they're taking over and then from there it'll just go a few miles and it'd be so easy that's really crazy and not right um oh my god it even mentions terminator here it says while the air force's next generation air dominance family of systems effort which is focused on delivering air superiority through the development of a crude next generation fighter jet supported by uncrewed collaborative combat aircraft has garnered widespread military support Human rights advocates are concerned that the unmanned war machines included in the plan pave the way to a Terminator-style dystopian future. I've never even seen Terminator, and I said that because I know what Skynet is from Terminator. Says, somebody said, you're stepping over a moral line by outsourcing killing to machines, by allowing computer sensors rather than humans to take human life. Mary Wareham, the advocacy director of the Arms Division of Human Rights Watch, a proponent of international limits on autonomous lethal weapons, told The Times. Other AI weapons opponents, such as the nonprofit Future of Life Institute, call these advancements slaughterbots because algorithmic decision-making in weapons allows for faster combat than can 
or that can increase the threats of rapid conflict escalation and unpredictability, as well as the risk of creating weapons of mass destruction. So it will increase the threat, the risk of that, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I would say so. I guess if another country is getting hit by slaughter bots, they would be more likely to want to just like nuke the other country. Well, yeah, it's just really escalating things. Mm-hmm. It really does seem to be like a huge escalation. That they're even talking about it is pretty bad. United Nations Secretary General Antonio uh, Guterres said as far back as 2019 that machines with the power and discretion to take lives without human involvement are potentially unaccept- or politically unacceptable, morally repugnant, and should be prohibited by international law. It does feel like a war crime. It, like, it feels like it's crossing a lot of ethical boundaries. It probably should be. I mean, the United States does war crimes all the time. And yeah, that's kind of their thing, right? Yep. Well, when you take human decision-making out of it, too, you can't correct any mistakes. Hmm. So if yeah. it's programmed to do something, and it goes on this mission to blow up whatever, but there's a bunch of school kids in the yard of where they're supposed to blow up, a human might be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a machine's not going to do that. It's going to be like, cool, boom, done. I mean, this has been what they've been trying to create humans into with the Air Force, like turn them into psychopaths that don't care and will just listen to orders and kill. And they've been pretty successful. But this is like another step towards. Well, right. So then they can skip that whole part in boot camp where they're dehumanizing you because that's why they do that. They're dehumanizing people. They're taking away their sense of self and their sense of individuality. And they're just trying to make them blindly follow orders like that is the point of boot camp in all branches of the military is to make people like just, you know, AI. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so like now we can just skip that whole part. And in another aspect of this is there's been like a world record low or whatever, hmm. a, a very low admission rate into the U.S. military. Like yeah, people, people don't want to join the military anymore. Weird. A lot of young people don't want to. Weird. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is Free Talk Live. You can call 603-283-6160. What do you think about that? Would you join the military right now? 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Yeah. 
radio that you control, 603-283-6160 is the number to call if you'd like to talk to us. And we actually do have somebody on the line. And I just texted it off, I think. Uh, 603-283-6160. That's that number to call if you'd like to get on, on the phone with us. Oh, I figured it out. Okay. It's Skeeter. Yay. Skeeter, you're on in California, and you're on Free Talk Live with us. What's on your mind? Holy crap, I got on. Hey, uh, hey thanks, Bond, for uh, taking my call and answering Talk Live. <laughs> yep. It's your favorite pro-war fight monger, your boy. Your pro-war? Yeah, of course. Just because of the escalation? Yeah, it did. They, uh, war destroys states. It actually opens up a window for you to uh, do your secession movement or whatever. Does it, though? If you look, <laughs> I'd rather yeah. the United States look, just it not seems like secede and people not get murdered. But It also seems like um, war just perpetuates the state because they're profiting off of it. Right. <laughs> I think you're committing uh, what's called the broken window fallacy, girl. What is that? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not. The broken window fallacy. Okay, bye, Skeeter. You d- never know what you're talking about. The broken window fallacy is like, oh, if you are literally not committing it because the state does profit off of it, the average person doesn't. The broken window fallacy means like, oh, if you wake up and the a store owner downtown had his window broken, is it like, do you say, oh, well, actually the community will make more money because of the fact that somebody will now need to be paid to fix the window. Somebody could make that fallacy thinking that it makes sense. Like now, now more money will circulate in the community because somebody whose job it is to fix windows will have to go fix it. But in reality, if that never happened, the store owner would be more productive doing the things he wants to do and not having to pay to get his window fixed. He's claiming that Nikki made that fallacy by saying that the state profits off of, um, War? Just war in general. But the state does. Which is true, because they are. They gain power. They gain, uh, you know, a chance a we to... Don't, and let's let's be clear. We, the average, you know, human being that live under government dictatorship, do not profit off of war. Yep. It is, you know, specifically the state yep. that is profiting off of war. Like, uh, I'm not profiting off of it. Right. You know, and one of the ways they profit isn't even necessarily money, even though it is also money in the sort form of resources and stuff like that. But it's also just power like they well, the Twin Towers got bombed. Looks like we need to write the Patriot Act, yep. things like that. So, yeah, um, Skeeter's just always wrong. and I don't like talking to him. That's why he <laughs> said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it got on. So I, I just like hanging up on him. He sounds so creepy. Like he sounds like, um, I don't know. He did say something weird about your feet. He kind of sounds like uh, like Beavis and Butthead a little bit. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> Ew. Ugh, that grosses me out. <laughs> well, in the last segment, we were talking about the Air Force um, asking for basically like a Skynet type weapon to use against other countries. An AI-driven jet. They, well, they want a thousand of them. Um, and in this segment we're gonna be talking about an article from the guardian that says silicon valley elites revealed as the buyers of 800 million dollars of land and apparently they want to build a utopian city whoa where in hawaii nope it's actually in northern california but yeah that does make yeah. sense like or, or, or i was government... just kidding because i don't think there's that much land. i, I forget mm-hmm. the quantity of land you said but it sounded like more than 
would be on Hawaii. Oh, no, it's just $800 million worth of land. Oh, okay, it was in dollars, okay. Here it says it's 55,000 acres of farmland in Northern California. And I haven't actually read this article, so let's get into it. It says, after weeks of local speculation, the purchaser of 55,000 acres of Northern California land has been revealed. The group, Flannery Associates, backed by a cohort of Silicon Valley investors, has quietly purchased $800 million worth of agricultural and empty land, the New York Times has reported. You said 55,000 acres? Yep. That is so much land. I really don't have any kind of a... That is a lot... That is a lot of land. Like, I, I can't even think of, like, a state or something I could compare that to. Let me just, like, Google. But, yeah, like, just look up how big Connecticut is. Acres. <laughs> because I'm like... Connecticut. <sighs> like, like, think of it. Like, if somebody owns, um, like, a property that has five acres, like, that's a decent amount of land. Like, you could have a, a small running farm mm-hmm. on five acres of land. Yep, and this is... You know... Like 11,000 times that. I mean, that's crazy. That is a lot well, of I, land. I forgot that this uh, computer uses SirX.org for search, and it's the absolute worst search in the world, so I'm not even going to try to figure that out. Oh, wait. It says, Connecticut is the gateway to New England. The state is approximately 3.5 million acres. So, yeah, I did find it. Sorry, C-Rex. So 3.5 <laughs> million. Okay, so that's actually a lot bigger. I, I wonder how much um, Rhode Island is. That's what I should have done. I'm surprised Connecticut's that big. I know, me too. I, it, I didn't it, expect You're that. right. It is hard to fathom like how big an acre is. Like, in, It's a football field. Yeah, but, it, but it's acre? hard to fathom. One acre about a football field. It's hard to fathom that like in regards to like a state, you know what I mean? Like oh, how yeah. how much land? Like to think of fifty five thousand acres in regards to the state of California. It, it's just it's a lot. <laughs> Either yeah, way, oh, it's, a lot. it's it's a ton of land, and it is sketchy that investors are. And we haven't gotten to this part yet, but I wonder what it means by that they want to build a utopian city. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we could assume probably this one- what that would mean. To some Silicon Valley investor from California. Well, Rich, okay. white, and old. This actually <laughs> puts it way more in perspective. This on Quora.com, so who knows if it's really right, because that's just people answering, says that Rhode Island is a relatively small state, and it has a total land area of approximately... Oh, wait. That's not acres. Oh, 66... Uh, six, 660,000 acres. So that's 660,000 acres. Yeah, that that puts it into perspective even more to me for where I, where I used to live in yeah. Utah on Dugway Proving Ground is roughly the size of Rhode Island. So that's even bigger than this. Wow, that's crazy. City that apparently they're going to try to make in Northern California. That's almost even more disturbing. It, it is really disturbing. And <laughs> that's the part, crazy. The part I was allowed to be on was only five miles in radius. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's like, what are you doing over there with all the rest of that land? Right. It's a little bigger than two Keens. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Keen is a great. Oh, that's you know twenty three thousand. Yeah. It's like okay. My brain can understand that. Good. <laughs> All right. So that'd be you know like a decent sized city. It says the project was spearheaded by Jan Ceramic, a thirty six year old former trader for the investment banking firm Goldman Sachs, and is backed by prominent Silicon Valley investors, including Michael Moritz, a venture capitalist. Reed Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn, Lorraine Powell Jobs, 
the founder of the philanthropic group Emerson Collective and wife of Steve Jobs. Okay, I wondered that. Mark Andreessen. Hmm. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Gavin Andreessen. An investor and software developer. But now I wonder if they're related. Gavin Andreessen did like uh, Bitcoin in the beginning. Patrick and John Collison, the sibling co-founders of the payment processor Stripe, which is huge, and the entrepreneurs David Gross and Nat Friedman, the Times reported. Though Flannery has been purchasing farmland and empty plots over the past five years, it has only recently started interacting with local officials and residents, according to the Times and local reports. Flannery has purchased land from farmers for several times more than the market value and become the biggest landowner in Solano County, an area 60 miles northeast of San Francisco. They're actually suing the farmers now. These, hmm. these people. Hmm. Yeah, because um, they said that they took advantage of them. They charged too much and took advantage of them. So now they oh. want to sue for some of their money back. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. It seems like Shady. they can't do that. No, I mean, that's silly. It's like, okay, well, you're the idiot that bought it for right. more than you're saying it was worth. You so agreed that's kind and you of, paid it. Yeah, like you can't yeah, buy you a house. Yeah. You know, that's like me buying a house right now and then the market crashing and then me being like, well... Like, no, you have to take the loss yep. because that's the name of the game, you know? It's like not even the market crashing. Just you buy yeah, the house just, and, and then 10 minutes later be like, no, oh, I think that was too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want some of that back. I really hope they lose that because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it says that the land bought by the firm encircles Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield, a city of about 120,000 residents and home to Anheuser Busch Co. Brewery. And the Jelly Belly Jelly Bean Factory. <laughs> kind of funny. It's like, so random. Yeah, random <laughs> facts. Recently, Flannery, which is the, the group that's buying this land, has been meeting with local officials and representatives, according to the Times. It has also been sending out opinion polls to local residents to gauge their feelings on an initiative that could appear on Solano County voters' ballots. This project would include a new city with tens of thousands of new homes, a large solar solar energy farm, orchards with over a million new trees, and over 10,000 acres of new parks and open space, a screenshot of the survey obtained by the newspaper reads. I just feel like that's kind of like they're trying to promise people that, that stuff so that way they will uh, vote for, you know, this utopian city or whatever. They're like, we're going to get new parks. We're going to get orchards. And then it's they're not going to give it to them. Right. Then they'll divide it up into voting districts with that being a big chunk of all of them Hmm. have control of California. Well, it says the poll also asks if residents would support the projects or the project if it was placed in an area with, quote, bad soil that only contributes 5% of the country's agricultural production, unquote, according to a Facebook post from Kathleen Moy the mayor of Fairfield, the closest city to Flannery's purchases. Um, I don't really get what that's supposed to mean. Despite the lofty goals set forth by Flannery, the group faces an uphill battle that will affect each step of the process of creating a new city from scratch. And I'm, I'm honestly really interested in this, mostly because it's just a dream. It's not that I'm like working on this openly or anything. But I think that lots of free staters should come together and make a city in New Hampshire and just refuse to have welfare, refuse to have a lot of stuff that people have. Because everything that people complain about cities is basically just a problem because of welfare. Like, I don't want homeless people laying around the streets. They wouldn't. 
if they couldn't get any welfare? That's actually a good point, and that's why you'll see, um, you know, more homeless people in uh, in more liberal cities where they can get more benefits. I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, we were actually talking about this on Sunday, kind of. Hmm. We were um, Richie Rich was brought up the idea of like occupy, you know, like occupy ghost town, right? So hmm. I mean, that would be more like out west. Yeah. You know how they have like the ghost towns that already have the infrastructure. So that's the point. A town that already has the infrastructure, and we proposed Berlin, New Hampshire, as like an example. Oh, or like Charleston. Berlin. Yep. So Berlin, and you know, it's very far north, uh, very low population, but at one point it had a much higher population because it was a mill town. Um, and then you know, as industry leaves an area, you know, jobs leave, mm-hmm. people leave. Um, so it has the infrastructure for uh, a far higher population than is currently using it. Um, so essentially the idea is, you know, get a bunch of libertarian folks to move up there and take over the town, so to speak. And of course it's Northern New Hampshire. So the people there are already typically going to be cool anyways. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like we live in, and that's the thing, like people are like, oh, you're trying to force people to like, oh, secession and you're trying to take over the government and all this stuff. Most New Hampshire natives are kind of on the same page as us. Like you do have like some people who aren't really like all the way about freedom or are just completely against it. Definitely not keen. You couldn't do that in keen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like you go to northern New Hampshire or more rural parts of the state and people like if you could just kind of explain it to them and have like real human conversations with people like I interact with a lot of non-libertarian folks, you know, in my travels doing my job. And I would say, like, most of the population of New Hampshire is pretty much on the same page as us. Yeah, we might, you know, like, defer on some topics like immigration and stuff like that. Some places where they might be a little bit more conservative. But, like, I, I feel like really if people, you know, a bunch of us move to Berlin, I, I don't actually want to do that. It's just an example. But I do feel like the people that already live there probably would be on the same, like, on board with some of the stuff that we might be doing. I think- so it wouldn't really be, like, this evil, like mastermind thing where we're like you know destroying their community evil libertarians like some people might want to make it out to seem. yeah they do try to act like that about grafton which was the free town project i mean it was came after the free state project i'm pretty sure yeah um and it wasn't part of the free state project but there are people who consider themselves free staters and they all wanted to move to one town and change the laws there so I think that the issue with Grafton, obviously, I don't know all of the details, but I think a big issue was it didn't have like the same infrastructure. Right. So it's just like very, very rural area. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't have like kind of the capabilities set up to have a well, lot of people living there. This is a big part of what I think the problem was. And also what I would think would probably be a problem even in like Charlestown or Berlin would be just even though it's a small rundown town, you think like, oh, nobody cares about the Government people there are high and drunk off of their power, even mm-hmm. in their little areas. Like, yeah. it seems like small towns, I, I wouldn't say they're more corrupt, but they're at least just as corrupt as, uh, you know, like big cities. Yeah, well, we kind of saw that happen in Croydon, right? You know, like yeah. um, Jody and some other people up there were making great headway and was doing like really like awesome stuff up there. And then, you know, the more statist people found out about it they didn't even know like at first like they didn't know anything was going on um so clearly you know these people are very involved and they you know they really care about their community but once they got wind of it um and then people kind of uh you know put a stop to a lot of that stuff unfortunately the second part about it in Croydon is a great example that wasn't even thinking of um 
is that you'd have to get ahead of the propaganda because yes. they were trying to make it sound like Ian Underwood is trying to get rid of the school and it's people so are just dumb. acting completely emotionally as if that was happening when really he was proposing an um an amendment to the budget which would have still given them plenty of money to have a school and they acted like he was like and, and the other thing was the mountain here the gunstock yes so yes. there's a mountain ski resort in new hampshire in um i forget the place belknap county but i, I don't remember the town um and there's a mountain called gunstock or at least like i don't I mean, know yeah, the like ski the resort ski resort or whatever is called that yeah. is gunstock well um somebody just wanted to a free stater uh state rep just wanted to do an audit on like hey where's all the money going to and from involving gunstock and they're like we're all quitting uh you can't do this and then they came out with this propaganda telling mm-hmm. the townspeople mike sylvia wants to take or get rid of gunstock can you believe that and people yeah it was crazy it, yeah it was complete lies yeah. so and that's you know a great point bonnie where you kind of do have to get ahead of the propaganda and i think it is important and we're like super getting off topic but i right. still think this is like a really good conversation to have and a good discussion to have it is important for i feel like some free staters and libertarian people can kind of get a little too isolated hmm. you know it's like we're making a lot of great headway and we're doing a lot of great things within our own community but we also need to branch out to the local communities so when we move to a place like it's important to also like be interacting with people who were born and raised here um and be making those connections and i think a lot of like activism that people are doing can kind of be taken the wrong way and it can kind of be a huge turnoff for a lot of people that already live here so it's important in my opinion, to be strategic with activism and to be strategic with how we're presenting things and how we're talking to people and just making an effort to really reach out to the people that live here. Um, because I think if they understood the the real like mission behind a lot of the things that free staters are doing, they would be on board. I just but, think, you know, I think that the best kind of activism is the kind that shows people that there's a problem at all with what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Like with cop block activism, plenty of people said what you're saying about cop blockers like, oh, you're making us look bad. You're making the people that live here not like us. But it also showed it, there's plenty of like very viewed videos and plenty of people who have had their minds open to what policing really is like. By seeing videos of cops, you know, doing things like sticking a um, stick in Derek J's tires. I know, I know that wasn't necessarily cop block video. I don't remember who recorded that or anything, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of times the locals just are just comfortable with whatever's going on. It's like this is how it's always been. No one has ever shown them how, the evil of, you know, that's inherent in the system. Yeah. Well, I well, would say like, that's like the majority of people, right? And, right. You know, small towns, they I all know each other already. Yeah. They all know each other. So they're like, oh, Frank down the road, he's a great guy. I'm not going to listen to this other person who's mm. saying that he's mm-hmm. doing this terrible thing. Mm. I already know him. Yeah. So, so it they already have biases ingrained into the community itself. Exactly. So. And uh, the thing about Keen is just like, sometimes I just don't see myself as like a um, permanent resident here. I'm glad Ian left the room because <laughs> it's just like, Anytime I've done anything interacting with the local people here, it's like, why don't you guys just secede and become Massachusetts? Like, honestly, <laughs> like th- I went and was asking for people to sign for this was before Jeremy Kaufman was really 
um, that vocal about stuff that has since pissed people off even. But I was asking for people to sign... Before, before the video... Uh... Well, yeah, definitely before his campaign <laughs> videos came out. Uh, I was saying, like, war is retarded, stuff like that. Um, but or, No, I wasn't at war is gay. War is gay and something else was retarded. <laughs> Climate change is retarded. I don't know. So purposely really offensive videos. But yeah, that were hilarious. They didn't know anything about Jeremy Kaufman. They just knew that I was asking, will you sign this um, petition to allow the libertarian candidate for Senate to be on the ballot? And people were like, are you a free stater? Libertarian? No way. Like, just like they just didn't even want you to be on the ballot. It's not even like, will you vote for libertarian this? No, I'm just asking you to ask to allow them to be on the ballot. You know, people in Keene. That you're making a great point here because I feel like Keene is very different from the rest of New Hampshire, <laughs> even like maybe, you know, even like Manchester and stuff. Like, right. It is different. Yeah, it, it is very like Massachusetts vibes. And it's close to Vermont, too. So it's like, yeah, plenty of people here are literally from Vermont and Massachusetts, like the two of you lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. <laughs> but you're very different than the people that you talk about coming from Massachusetts is my point. That's why we left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, apparently those people left too, but they didn't get the memo, I guess, that this were... Well, you know what? And we'll see this like where people are like, Massachusetts is terrible, so I'm going to move to New Hampshire. So you mm. get a lot of that in the border towns, right? So people want to live in like Mason and Ringe and those border towns so they can still commute to their jobs in Massachusetts or in Boston. And what happens is they vote, but they bring their bad politics up with them <laughs> And it's like, why don't you realize that is what ruined your state in the first place? So it's like a lot of liberal people are fleeing from from various states because they're like, oh, you know, New York, you know, and in Massachusetts, they became, you know, they're not what they used to be. And they don't understand, like, logically, they cannot reason and understand what happened, hmm. like the series of events that led to places like Massachusetts and New, uh, New York changing. Yeah. The other thing is just um, they'll move away because, well, like a friend was just telling us at lunch was that he's from Boston. And during like 2020, things got really expensive. Well, they were already like going to get expensive anyway because of inflation. And a whole bunch of people just were like, you know what? Boston's too expensive to live in. I'm going to move to Portland, Maine. And now Portland, Maine has the same problem with everything's really expensive. That's what's happening with all the states surrounding California, too, like Mm -hmm. Utah, Arizona, all those states. All the prices are going way up. Because I, everybody's leaving California and moving to those states. Right. I left Utah in August of 2020 to, wait, sorry, August of 2018. And then I went back to visit my parents in May of 2019. Oh my God, it wasn't even a year. And the town Tuella, which is west of Salt Lake City by like 45 minutes, I stayed there because I didn't want to go on the military base um, that my parents lived on. And I'm not joking. It felt like it was doubled in population and I couldn't wow, find a really? hotel room that night very easily, like with, with a few days in advance from when I went to go book it. Uh, like it took me like I, I just had to happen to find someone with a cancellation or something. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Like Twilla isn't some kind of big city. It's like, I don't know, 30,000 people or, or it was when I first moved there. So now I don't even know because it seriously felt like it doubled. Mm-hmm. There was just a whole bunch of new building uh, houses, like suburban looking houses. It was crazy. But yeah, um, that seems to be what happens. People leave their states that they have messed up and they want to go mess up other ones. Um, I feel like the only reason we got onto the subject was because I was going to say I've had this plan in my head. Well, not even a plan. Just this dream in my head that I can create. 
just take some land in New Hampshire, like a whole bunch of it, buy it myself, or not just myself, but like with a uh, cooperative, and then tear down all the trees, rebuild some, or replant some trees and make a mega city with no welfare. Wouldn't that be great? Cities are great. They have karaoke, but if they have homeless people, they're not so great. What do you think? 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the phone number you can call to bring up whatever is on your mind, talk about whatever we're talking about, or bring up something new. It doesn't matter because it's free talk live. And that's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Nikki, and Lori. Actually, I don't think we did that last segment. That's all right. Yep. People will figure it out. <laughs> um... And I want to tell you about Dash. So this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs or DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. And so in the last segment, we were talking about Silicon Valley elites, as they say, went and bought 55,000 acres of land, like arable um farming land and empty unused land um and they want to build a mega city or sorry not a mega city but a utopian city i didn't really get anything out of that article that explained how it'd be a utopian city but they want to like have parks and orchards either way it always puts people's ears up when like the wife of steve jobs and a bunch of other like really rich people from silicon valley just go and buy like a whole city's worth of a place because I just don't really trust those types of people. 
um, to be doing something good with it. Have you guys ever seen, oh man, of course, I forget the movie's name, but there's a Johnny Depp movie where he and his wife are like smart scientists because that's Johnny Depp. He's like, I'm going to play this movie where I'm like the smartest man in the world. I just don't like him. <laughs> Anyways, um, Johnny Depp and his wife in this movie, they are like really smart tech people and he dies, but she was able to like get a copy of his brain on a computer and then it starts asking like just give me the I, I can I can see everything so clearly now that I'm like plugged into the computer just I need you to get me like connected to Nasdaq real quick and it just gets a whole bunch of money it builds a city in the middle of like Nevada and then it's like cloning people and it's all the egg eye Johnny Depp and, and his other friends are like this isn't him this is just you know it's just pretending to be him it's playing on your emotions to his wife I forget what the, that movie's called I've never seen that movie before but it like the plot sounds familiar it sounds a lot like this what's going on like they want to you know grab up all this land so they can do something weird and shady like clone people I don't know yeah probably <laughs> yep that's what that story was about uh, Silicon Valley people want to clone people <laughs> Just kidding, but it is still creepy. You just got to wonder what they're doing. Um, This new story from Reason, reason reason.com, says, A 12-year-old boy removed from school over Don't Tread on Me patch. The Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution, says Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Hmm, So, you know, it's kind of annoying, like, with this situation that we're going to get into with this little boy that got taken out of school for the Gadsden flag. Uh, like, it's annoying that, like, politicians are jumping in front, like, oh, I've always been, you know, I've always loved free speech. Get out of here. <laughs> That's why the public schools are, are the way they are, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, Jaden is a 12-year-old boy who attends the Vanguard School in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hmm, the Vanguard School? Is that, like, not a public school? I don't know. He is the subject of a video that went viral on social media. It shows the boy and his mother confronting a school administrator who asserts that the Gadsden flag patch on his backpack violates district policy. District policy kind of makes it sound more like government school. Quote, the reason that we do not want the flag displayed is due to its origin with slavery and the slave trade, says the administrator. Even though that has nothing to do with the origin it's absolutely crazy. She's so dumb. But let's just get right into the video. Gonna plug it in over here. And what is this video of? Is this a video of um like the mom's interaction with the principal? Yes, I'm not sure if she's the principal or if she says in this video, but there's this woman who's obviously like a school employee and she brings a little boy into a meeting room and the mom is there. And you could tell it's kind of like a secret recording because it's kind of like coming from behind a baby. That, yeah, that was my next question if yeah. they knew they were being recorded. I don't yeah. know that they knew they were being report- recorded just because she never looks at the camera and it uh, is like behind a baby car seat. You could see like the baby kicking its foot. Yeah. It, it seems like the dad was like in the room and just like sat there not saying anything. I don't, I don't know. It looks like someone's holding it. But yeah, so the little boy walks in. Let me make sure I'm doing this right really fast. Oh, okay. Thank you. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? That's a historical flag. So they- nice. I like that she walks straight in with like attitude. That's the mom <laughs> asking that question. There, um, the reason that they do not want the flag, the reason we do not want the flag displayed, mm-hmm. 
is due to its origins with the slavery and slave trade. <laughs> I didn't catch that before. The the mom is saying the Revolutionary War. She's and she's like nodding her head along with that and saying <laughs> slavery and the slave trade. And it's like, ma'am, do you know what the Revolutionary War is? <laughs> Maybe she doesn't. Probably oh, not. Probably not. My she sister, probably doesn't. My sister told me something crazy today. Like it sincerely blew my mind. I had to like go tweet about it. Uh, she told me, oh, it's so hard for me to get a job in Alabama, and I don't get why. I'm totally qualified for the jobs I'm applying for. Like it's just like simple things. Like I can read and stuff. And everybody in this part of Alabama she lives in, they're all retarded anyway. She said her boss at Sally's Beauty Supply, listen, I've worked at Sally's and you don't have to be a genius to work there or anything. But she said her boss was like an older woman that would always play like Christian music, like a pretty old woman, but like still working age. Um, She didn't know who Hitler was. What? She said... Like not at all? Well, uh, she had an idea because... (laughs) She said, I um, mean, that's like they were discussing it was back at like a year ago or something. Whoopi Goldberg said, like, the Holocaust wasn't racist because it was just white people on other white people, which are Jews. And, you know, that was like, I mean, but yeah, like anti-Semitic at the time. Yeah. and, And to me, honestly, like. Obviously, Judaism is a religion, but it is kind of also a race, too. Yeah, it's yeah. considered a race you know, and a religion. Yeah, like it was that does ignorant. sound kind of yeah, like it's like okay, well, they're like judging people literally based off of like their race, their genetics, so. their it, skin color. Isn't that racism? Oh, right. Oh, but but <laughs> yeah. just because they're white, we can kill them, right? Yeah. Eh, not a good look. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really stupid. But so uh, Whoopi Goldberg said that, and my sister said it was being discussed at work, and um. My sister said something about Hitler, like, I don't know, because it was about World War II. And her boss, this, like, older woman, goes, that was the World War II guy, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the World War II guy. How do you guy. not know who Hitler Th- is? And that's the thing. Like, how there do you go World War II guys. this? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. But, like, how do you go? I guess he is the main World War II guy. So I'm, I'm glad she at least knew that. Like the final boss. Yeah, see, she had an idea. <laughs> she had an idea of who but Hitler was. But that's the thing. Was. It's like, how do you go that far without knowing that? And especially, like, I, I guess we're just, like, culturally and especially in public school, like, you do get that, like, kind of drilled in your head. But like for me, at least, like even if I didn't go to public school, right? I read a lot of books about. I read a lot of historical books. And to me, I know some some parents that homeschool their kid don't find the value in teaching them history. Um, I personally, when I do have children and choose to homeschool them, I would be um, teaching them about history and having them be reading, um, you know, like historical nonfiction as well as fiction like I just think that that is an important thing for children and adults both to be learning about and exploring um I just don't get how you go that long my without just, like knowing more details about World War II and who Hitler is I don't think you need to even be a reader like I think that most people just know who that is just based on like, like existing pop culture right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, like just based on like talking to people. Yeah, I saw something the other day. Somebody said, um, I'm not nearly smart enough to be that much smarter than a lot of the people I meet. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great point when you put you it know. that way. Yeah, I think that sometimes I'm like, I didn't think I was a genius, but like talking to people, I'm like, wow, I, I must be. Feel either real smart sometimes. And I'm not trying to hate on Alabama. Like, uh, I know that's like what a lot of people get really, uh, um, like my mom, if she was listening, she'd be like, Oh, Bonnie's trying to make Alabamians sound dumb. It's not that 
Alabama to them. Yeah, it's rural areas especially. Well, well but even like city know. areas. So when I was in um, California doing you know my like work study thing, I one of the women that I encountered there used to be uh, an English teacher, I believe, and hmm. she was teaching high school level students, I believe seniors. But and was it, this in still, Massachusetts? No, this is in California. Oh, sorry. So she was um, somewhere in Los Angeles County, hmm. and she told me, and you know, I, I heard before, you know, especially doing <laughs> Free Talk Live, I've heard, you know, the statistic, the statistic that, um, you know, a percentage of high school students graduate without knowing how to read. And to me, I was just like, that's unbelievable. Not true. Fake news. Like, I cannot believe that. And this woman, and mind you, this is like, you know, like outer city area, like Los Angeles County. There were, she said, like, there were a lot of students in this urban area that did not know how to read. Like they made it, they made it through all the way through high school and were graduating. They're letting these people graduate high school without knowing how to read, without knowing how to write some sort of paper. It's like, how? And and it just seems like the system. Like testing and stuff that they have to pass. But it seems like they're doing a lot of students a major disservice because they are having them be in like low IQ classes or whatever, Mm. like special ed classes. Or um, it just seems like all of the teachers suck so bad, yeah. or like the students are just—I I don't know what it is. Either too many um, kids in one class, they and pass yeah, them because like, they're problematic, and like well, they and don't want to the deal thing, with them. Right? They're like, okay, well, this is kind of the standard here. Like everybody here is just doing so poorly that we're just going to push. Like they couldn't possibly hold everybody back because they wouldn't be able to uh, graduate anybody. They so they're just essentially well, they're they're essentially just pushing the students through because the teachers are unable to actually educate these students or um i mean that that is a fact but it also seems like maybe there's a lot of like in a, in a lot of those like urban type areas where there's kind of a lot of crime and maybe um you know the students are distracted and they don't actually care about school there it might also be kind of like a cultural thing within the schools or within those areas but either way, it's just it's mind blowing to think that you people can't read. I mean, you learn how to read when you're like a very young child. My kids can read. They're three and four. Yeah. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Like and, and that might be a little bit more above the the norm it's possible. But it, but it's possible. If, and that's if the, the parents, thing. you know, read yeah. to your kids, teach them how to read. Any kid can read at that age. Well, and exactly. But uh, most parents aren't teaching their kids right. how to read yeah. at that they're age sending because them to public school. Because right. exactly. So yeah, like when do you even learn how to read? Like kindergarten, like kindergarten. very like cat hat, like right. very easy words. But yep. it absolutely is possible for children to learn how to do like basic arithmetic and reading as young as three and four years old. Right. But um. And it really just takes a little bit of time and dedication. Like, you don't need to be a genius to teach your kid how to read. You really don't. It doesn't take that um, much time either to yeah. do it. You know, 15 minutes every day. Yeah. And it, it actually is. It's really sad that um, there are people who are 18 years old that cannot read. And there's there's adults that cannot read. I mean, I knew of, I forget who this was, but I heard a story of some older gentleman who could not write anything aside from his signature. Like that mm-hmm. was the only thing. And, and it makes a little bit more sense for people who are a lot older because um, in that day and age, like maybe he was just a work. farm worker. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe he didn't even go to school. Like that was a thing at some point, but like at this point where like public school is mandatory and you have to register your kids, if you're going to, obviously you don't actually have to register your kids if you're going to homeschool them, but that's like what you're supposed to do. Right. Like most States want you to do that. 
So in a in a day and age where it's like tracked that like your kids are going to public school and they can't read. Like how is that not a problem to people? I don't understand how you make it that far. Even a farmer, you have to feed your animals and fertilize your crops and yeah. things like that and you have to buy things. How do you know yeah. what you're buying? That's so crazy. If yeah. you can't you read figure it out, I guess. Label. I wonder if they're using the word illiterate as in like they don't read as well as they should be able to read because Maybe. that is crazy to me to just not yeah. be able to read and how do you drive? Right, how do you drive? How do you do anything? I, you, I think people, I, that's a great question. And those people, like the way older ones didn't have like AI to just be like, hey, Siri, take me to Walmart or whatever. Right, they had to read a map with like words on it. Yeah. Destinations. Like how? I mean, people, I, I guess they adapt and figure it out. But yeah, I don't know. It's and it's mind blowing. The point of public school is supposed to be, well, we don't want kids going around not knowing how to read. But now in public school, people will be there for 13 years and end up not being able to read. So, well, yeah. Anyways, continuing on with this video from the Colorado Springs um, goon. I don't know what she is. She's not a principal. I I, I read the whole story about this in um, this man named Connor Boyack's tweet yesterday. He actually like, broke this story. Um, I don't know who he is. He's some libertarian guy on Twitter. And he posted this video with um, the whole story about Jaden in like a thread of tweets and uh, I don't remember what he said that this woman was. I know she's not his actual teacher, and she's not the principal. She's just some other lady, like, I don't know, some bureaucratic type title. Administrator. Yeah, of some kind. exactly. Um, so continuing on, after she just said that, um, well, you know, the Gadsden flag had um, origins with slavery and the slave trade. That is what was, um, that's the reasoning behind them, the Gadsden flag. The don't tread on me. Okay. Which is the Gatsby book. Okay. Um, okay. So he, he, um, he's, what's going to happen if he doesn't take it off? He, I mean, he is able to go. I was actually just telling him, like, I was upset that he was missing so much school i'm like ah. i'm sure she is you know she's upset that he's missing so much you know and who was saying that was that the teacher lady that said that or yeah it- the teacher lady said she was upset that he was missing so much school over this oh like let's try to get this uh corrected so let's see what she says the solution should be so i asked if can he just take his stuff out of his bag and go back to class like i just want him to go back to class she she's saying he can just take his stuff out of his bag get rid of the backpack that has the patch with the gadsden flag on it and then he can go back to class see that that will solve the problem i mean she's Literally treading on him. She's treading on his right. Like, this is the point of the patch, lady. Yeah, exactly. How old is this kid? 12. And who was offended by this patch? Uh, Was it the other kids? Or the teacher? Probably this, you know, this probably the teacher. I doubt. They could have used it as a teaching moment. Yeah. Yep. uh, Well, they can't if they don't know what it is. Lori, they can't do that. That's not part of the curriculum. (laughs) That's a good point, too. They can't teach them stuff that isn't in the curriculum. Oh, and uh, so my producer came in and wrote me a note and said, Connor Boyack, the reason that he knew about this and everything, he's the author of the Tuttle Twins books. (gasps) Really? I didn't didn't know that. I love the Tuttle Twins. They're libertarian books for kids written like four kids to read and actually we'll get into it later in the story it's a cute part about it he the 12 year old is a Tuttle Twins reader and that's why he's you know able to stand up for himself and it said his favorite book is the creature of Jekyll Island the one about how the Federal Reserve came about so yeah that just now the administrator woman she suggested oh if he just takes off his backpack then he can go back into class so let's listen to the rest of this 
the bag can't go back. It's got the patch on it because we can't have that in and around other kids. So that's what I was trying. And then he said you were close. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it has nothing to do with slavery. That's like the Revolutionary War patch that was okay. displayed when they were fighting the British. Like, that wasn't, that's the revolution. Maybe you're thinking of like the, um, the Confederate, our Confederate flag. <laughs> okay, I, so. I am here to enforce the policy that was provided. <laughs> See, it's like she's she can't answer that. She doesn't know how how to respond because she doesn't have the information. Yeah. So she just says, "Listen, I'm just doing my job." <laughs> just doing my job. Yeah. Yep. She's like, "Listen, I'm a mindless robot, yep. and uh, you're not following the script." Yeah, you're not complying, like, immediately. You're not just, like, taking off the backpack. Oh, my God, it'd be so easy if you just took off the backpack. Uh, that's so annoying to me. Controller, controller, uh, parasite class. By the district. Okay. And definitely you have every right to not agree with it. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah absolutely. ACLU says that he's allowed to wear that. If you, like, go on their website, it, like, says in big so letters. I, all, I, all I'm saying is that unless there's like a ban on patches period like if you said there's no patches allowed at the school you cannot display what you think or anything like that or what cheer or anything like that um, I, I don't I think it's like one sided you know because you allow some patches but not other, other patches, patches like other names like yeah the little boy says the other kids have patches like video games and like the American flag the American flag has probably more ties to slavery right absolutely yeah. then um <laughs> absolutely also ties to murder and a lot of terrible things like and the woman is right i'm glad that she stood up for herself and her kid um in this situation because she says uh like she said apparently she already did research into it before she showed up to the meeting and she said the aclu says that he's allowed to have that on him um yeah if it's hard to understand him there um, I think that's basically all that's important from the video. Basically, the woman continues to say that he can't have it. So let's go on reading what happened from there. It says, on Monday, school officials removed Jaden from class due to his Gadsden flag patch. I wish I had more information. Like, was it the teacher or what? His yeah, mom- like, did more people join this decision and also didn't know what it was? <laughs> yeah. Well, they get into that about them changing the reason why it's bad <laughs> when they realize it wasn't slavery. Oh. Um, It says, the mother was fighting back, explaining that the flag, a snake coiled above the phrase, don't tread on me. If you've ever, if you don't know what we're talking about here, the Gadsden flag is the yellow flag. It has a snake. And there's the phrase, don't tread on me. She says that it is not pro-slavery imagery. It has its origins in the Revolutionary War and was intended as a symbol of resistance to the British tyranny. District officials did not respond to requests for comments, but Libertas Institute President Connor Boyack, the same guy who's also the Tuttle Twins um, author, who first publicized Jaden's situation, shared an email that they sent to Jaden's mother in which the district reiterated its position that the Gadsden flag is a, quote, unacceptable symbol with, quote, ties to white supremacy and patriot groups. What? It's just ridiculous. What do you think? Is the Gadsden flag a racist symbol with ties to white supremacy? 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary 
to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160 is the number to call with whatever is on your mind. You can talk about what we're talking about or bring up something new. It doesn't matter. It's Free Talk Live, and that number is 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Nikki, and Lori. And so far in the last segment, we were talking about A boy named Jaden, who's 12 and really cute, like one of the cutest things I think about having a little boy is gelling their hair, like not over gelling. I hate over gelled hair, but little boys with like a really professional looking haircut that just looks so cute. And he has that. And he's also wearing kind of like a button up shirt and like a belt and his little like it looks like he's one of those boys that like tactical things Like he's got a tactical backpack. With a yeah, this kid's flags. awesome. We love yeah. this kid. He's great. He's a Tuttle Twins reader. Tuttle Twins is a libertarian kids book series. And um, so I guess he is excited to stand up for himself. Because one thing about this video that I have played in the last segment that I didn't bring up is the whole time he's sitting there like with like a smirk on his face most of the time. He's like, this lady's retarded. Like, you can tell that's what he's thinking. Like, the, the lady says it has ties to slavery and he just sits there. He doesn't say anything for most of the video, but he's like got a smirk on his face. Like he knows that they're wrong. I mean, even like her responses, it's like she just sounds like an idiot. Like she does not sound confident. She does not sound sure of herself and confident with the answers that like it sounds. And I, I think Bonnie kind of like touched upon this earlier, but it just sounds like she's very uncomfortable with the fact that like they're not just complying. Hmm, yep. You know, like she, it seems like she was expecting like, oh, you're not allowed to have that patch. And like right away, his mom was going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's resolve this situation. Instead, she was like, no, I'm defending my, mine and my son's freedom of speech. Also, let's talk about the uh, contradiction here where they make you go to school in the morning, say the Pledge of Allegiance to be Mm -hmm. patriotic, but then don't be a patriot. Right. I didn't know about that. I bet they what do say that because the American flag is in the background <laughs> in the corner of this room in the video that you're watching. So I bet they do do the American flag. I'm sure they do. Um, and it's kind of the point of the the patch to begin with. So I'm glad that um, the little boy stood up for himself. If I didn't explain it this segment, the Gadsden flag, which is the patch that was on this little boy's backpack, is a yellow flag 
with a snake coiled on it, kind of like sticking his head up, like about to attack kind of. And the bottom of it says, don't tread on me. Like, don't step on me. But we just got a caller in, so let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? I don't know what I don't know what you ladies have a problem with the flag the the Gadsden flag. We don't. Uh, well, well, we're I don't defending know. it, right? No, 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 no. There's something you're missing. Okay. If okay. You don't what mind is it? me pointing. Well, it, it's a it's a racist flag simply because they say it is. I don't think we're missing that. We're we're pointing out that it's not, it doesn't have ties to slavery, and then later the lady says it's you know, has ties to white supremacy and patriot groups, and we were saying that that's silly. But, but yeah, well, you know, yeah, but you see, your problem is, is that you, you, you all are actually thinking, you see, hmm. and, and, and you're not supposed to think. You're supposed to just com- comply uh, like the mindless robots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. I'm playing with you a little bit. <laughs> I'm playing with you a little bit. Listen, I just discovered you today, and, and, and it's... It's refreshing to actually hear people think. Do any of you know who Yeonmi Park is? Yeah, she's from North Korea. Have you have you read her two books? No, I have not read any of her books or, or even really heard her speak, really. I used to give to Liberty in North Korea, and um, uh-huh. I know that she works with them, right? I'm sorry? Doesn't she work with them, Liberty in North Korea, Link? Uh, that I don't know, but I do know that she, uh, she, uh, studied at Columbia University and she discovered that the, you know, in universities how, and it's, it's on both sides of the border. I'm calling from Canada, by the way. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's, you're dealing with a situation where only in Columbia University, and I think in universities, vast majority all over North America, only, only certain viewpoints are acceptable. Hmm. And, uh, she says that, uh, it reminded her of what she, you know, uh, fled from in North Korea. And uh, so she, but her her two books I, I recommend. They're, I've read both of them, and they're they're an easy read. And uh, it, the the first one is, um, oh lord, um, it's okay. It's uh, okay. Only to live or something like that. People huh? can people can Google the names, but yeah, Yon Me Park. I would be interested in reading those books. I just hadn't gotten to it, but um. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that colleges in the United States and Canada are similar to the brainwashing that gets done in North Korea. It's also a similar thing to what Lily Tang Williams says. She's um, She survived the Mao, Mao Cultural Revolution in China, okay. and she mm-hmm. lives in the United States now. Uh, she moved to Colorado, and then she moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project. And she says the same thing, that a lot of the stuff that is going on now is things that she saw happen at the beginning of Mao's cultural revolution. Only, only to live and while time remains. That's the title of her two books. Okay. Well, thank you so much, caller. And uh, yeah, he definitely got me there. I thought he was serious about uh, us. Yeah. I was confused a little bit. I I had a feeling he was kind of trying to be uh, whatever tongue in cheek or I didn't get it honestly at first. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it, it is a problem that, they just don't want you to, like, another part, they might not get into it in this article, that is pretty funny and, you know, 
paradoxical is the little boy takes a picture, like his mom takes a picture of him with his little patch backpack in front of the administrator. I think it's the lady that's in this video in front of her car. And it has like all these, you know, like she is obviously a leftist. So she has all these things on the back of her car and she can have it in front of the kids. It's exposed to the kids, which is supposedly the problem with the Gadsden flag. So it's not just that it's political in nature that they're not allowing it. They're picking and choosing what they don't want to allow. And a symbol that is supposed to represent resistance to tyranny. I don't know. That's because the governmental school systems teach you what to think and not how to think. They don't want you there to learn how to critically think about things. They just want you to follow their instructions Mm -hmm. and do what they say. And then that's it. In the break, Lori found out that this school is a charter school that is tuition-free. And um, the tuition-free thing and the fact that with um, the fact that the, she keeps referencing a district, it makes me think that it's at least like government-funded. So it's basically like a public school, if not one of the normal public schools that you think of, just like some little offshoot where maybe they have a choice between the one in their district or a charter school in their district, something like that. Um, but, um, going on with the article from reason, it says it's true that some white supremacists have appropriated the flag, which is annoying. Like you'll see people like, especially like in the South with that and the Confederate flag. I mean, I can't even like just assume somebody's racist because they have a Confederate flag, but that the Confederate flag approach, but that's new, right? Like the the Confederate flag being racist, like it always, yeah, it was the, the, the Confederacy like side in the civil war, but that didn't really like actually represent white supremacy or racism until recently because, you know, and okay, the only reason why I know this is because I'm a big classic rock and Southern rock person, but the band Leonard Skinner in the seventies, used the confederate flag a lot uh, and typically they refer to it as the southern cross but they were using that a lot just to represent like hey we're from the south like that's all it kind of meant to them and then you know fast forward to modern times and they're like well now everybody thinks we're racist because we were using that but really they weren't at all they were actually kind of a little bit more liberal compared to most people in the south Hmm. but um but they definitely weren't racist by any means but even just like the connection with all of that, I think, is relatively new. I mean, like, that isn't historically, like, what it represented. It's silly anyway. Yeah. It's a silly comparison because, you know, just because one group of people like something doesn't mm. mean that that thing's now tainted. Hitler yeah. really liked German shepherds. If mm. you like German shepherds, are you now an anti-Semite? Yeah. Like, what? Or it even the swastika, like that used to be, you know, a powerful, symbol you know, of peace. yeah, symbol yeah. of peace. Exactly. Like, and that was like for thousands of years. The ISIS but, thing. People were naming their kids ISIS and everybody was yeah. losing their minds. Like mm-hmm. it was a thing yeah, before she's a goddess. that. Yeah. Right. She's yeah. A goddess. No. And I actually know a woman named ISIS and hmm. she shared with me uh, in a, in a public group. So I feel comfortable sharing this, but whatever she um, shared, like, do you know how hard it is to be named ISIS when, you know, that was all coming out with, like, terrorism and all this stuff, she was like, that, you know, didn't make me feel very good. That's and that's, great. yeah, and it's, like, really unfortunate. It's like, okay, obviously, like, this woman, like, that's just her name. Like, it she's not a, a terrorist. Name. It's just, right. and it is a beautiful name. And it it is sad that, like, some of those people kind of got that, like, it, it seems like things are almost being stolen from people because of the connotations and the connections that 
other people are making. And it's like, it's not always so cut and dry, you know, like the world isn't as black and white as a lot of people want to make it out to be. And um, a lot of times the like white supremacist types that will take the Gadsden flag and display it, they don't even know, they don't, they're obviously missing something because they'll have like the Gadsden flag right next to a blue lion American flag (laughs) cop sticker. Yeah, like they don't know what it means. They don't get that the cops are the ones treading on them. But it says, in any case, Jaden's mother is absolutely correct that the flag's origins have nothing to do with racism or slavery. In their email, district officials approvingly cited a 2016 Washington Post article by Reasons Eugene Volokh evaluating an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission case. The case in question involved a post office employee whose Gadsden flag had generated racial harassment claims. But ultimately, the EEOC declined to rule that the Gadsden flag was a racist symbol. Oh, my God. So they're using that article to prove how, well, see, this is why it's racist when that didn't prove anything. Just because some post office worker had his, you know, co-worker saying, oh, that's racist. And then they didn't end up ruling on it. Like, Oh, my God. They're obviously reaching. The Supreme Court has ruled that K-12 officials have significant authority to limit students' free expression rights in order to promote classroom cohesion. But the school cannot discriminate against Jaden's viewpoint by wrongly and arbitrarily declaring the Gadsden flag to be a hate symbol. That was a troubling sentence. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't heard that before. The Supreme Court has ruled that K-12 officials have significant authority to limit students' free expression rights. In order to promote classroom cohesion. Yuck. Yeah. And I actually knew that <laughs> uh, because when I was in high school, I um, I forget what I was doing, but I was trying to spread like my own propaganda. So I like printed out a bunch of stuff and I was um, like plastering it all over the walls. And then the teachers were taking it down and I was getting in trouble for doing it. So then I started taking pieces of paper and writing like this is my first amendment right. And all sorts of stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, the next time I got spoken to about this event, they were like, Oh, you actually don't have freedom of speech here. Like wow. you're in public school. Like you, you really don't have any first amendment rights in public school. Like as a minor where you're forced to be. Yeah. yeah essentially where I'm forced to be. Right. So I was kind of <laughs> like, uh, well, I don't care. Cause I'm going to do this anyways. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when so. I was in fifth grade, I, I wish that they had at least called my mom because something might have happened. But when I was in fifth grade, I, I always watched like Fox News with my parents. So it's not just that they were like using me as a political pawn or anything. Like I totally agreed with it. But on Earth Day, like I was always getting like Earth, uh, I mean, uh, climate change propaganda at school. And I was always like, oh, it's so annoying. They give us climate change propaganda at school. And um, in fifth grade, on Earth Day, my mom made a shirt that said Earth Day equals socialism. Might be a little confusing, <laughs> but it was because, you know, like the idea is that they try to push all this like climate change stuff because they want you to just like pay taxes to make the trees grow more, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. The trees need your money. Yep. The, <laughs> the trees need your money. Um, So I had this shirt on that said Earth Day equals socialism. And I went through like at least the beginning part of the day with it. And then I was in line, I think, for lunch. And a teacher that wasn't my teacher that was, like, next door was, like, pointing at me and, like, really pissed off looking. And she said, like, she doesn't even know what that means and stuff like that. And I was like, what? what is it? Am I in trouble? And I didn't even realize they're talking about my shirt. 
And then I got sent to the principal's office, and the principal, this like really nice older lady, who was always nice to me, she was like, you got to turn the shirt inside out because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they never even called my mom or anything. I just went home like and started playing outside with my shirt still inside out. And she's like, what happened? And I told her and like, you know, nothing ever happened. But I, I don't I wonder, did I have the right to have that shirt on actually? But I, uh, prob- I mean, probably. Uh, but it would have been interesting. Yeah. If they did call your mother. So your mother could be like, I made her that shirt and I wanted her to be wearing it clearly because I dressed her. You yeah. know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just glad that this, I'm glad they called this little boy's mom. And I'm glad that she knew what to do to one, always record goons, mm-hmm. even if it's a public school goon who's like, listen, I'm just a nice lady. Who's listen, just, I'm just an idiot. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, your son is racist. No, she didn't actually call him racist. She just thinks he doesn't understand. It's a racist symbol. And, we and can't it's have so it. offensive, right? They're like, oh, well, you're 12. So you just couldn't possibly understand anything. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. This little boy is obviously smarter than this lady. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. It says, um, quote, there's nothing inherently disruptive about a student displaying a Gadsden flag patch on his backpack, writes Aaron Terror, director of public advocacy at the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Um, Public school administrators can't ban the expression of an idea, symbol, or viewpoint just like uh, just because they personally dislike it. Democratic Colorado governor, oh, he's the governor, Jared Polis also came to Jaden's defense, describing the flag's message as iconic in a post on X, which is what they're calling Twitter now. And just not going to do that. I'm not going <laughs> to call it X. No. Quote, the Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution and an iconic warning to Britain or any government not to violate the liberties of Americans, wrote Polis. It appears on popular American medallions and challenge coins through today, and Ben Franklin also adopted it to symbolize the union of the 13 colonies. It's a great teaching moment for a history lesson. That's kind of surprising, um, but also, like I said way at the beginning, it seems to me like a politician just jumping on board to be able to, you know, um, get some, you know, he heard about this little boy's thing. Everybody wants to be behind this cute little boy, right? So he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not treading on him. Vote for me. Right. Says, when reached for comment by um, Reason, which is the P- magazine doing this article, Polis reaffirmed his comment and noted that he also agreed with sentiments expressed by Rep. Ted Liu, who's a Democrat from California, who said, I oppose banning the Gadsden flag in schools for the same reason I oppose conservative school districts that ban LGBTQ flags in schools. Let kids be their authentic selves and give them a world of information. Students can figure out what's important to them. And that's the end of the article. Yeah, I just think getting your kids into public school kind of signs you up for some problems to begin with. Because like you said, they severely... um, they're, they're not going to let you have a lot of your rights that you're normally supposed to have because, well, when you're a minor, and minors just have less rights, Which according is to the government. unfortunate, yeah. yeah. According to the government, but according to a lot of people, like according to a lot of parents, too. Hmm. And it is really sad to see, like, how some parents, like, disrespect their children and don't really, like, value them as human beings. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, their children, like, they should be disciplined. And, you know, it's your job as a parent to kind of, like, show them the way, um... But I do still think like their consent is important and and that is a huge thing that's overlooked. And I think that's why we're seeing all of this where you have a bunch of like 
people who are just blindly obeying and complying because like that's what you're taught as a child like to obey authority and you know like you always get the parents that are like they won't give their kids an explanation and it's just like because I said so and the government does the same thing and it's like we can't be raising our children in this way and expecting them to be like thoughtful three free thinking individuals like it just doesn't work that way well when you sign your kids up for public school you're agreeing that they're um I forget there's an actual word for it. it's like in situ parenti or something like that. Yes. Yeah. That they take ownership of your kids mm-hmm. while they're in school. Like yeah. even against your wishes. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have control over anything that happens either. That's yeah. that's another big thing. You can say all you want. My kid can have this. My kid can yeah. wear this patch on his backpack. Um, it's fine with me and you know, he has free speech and they're like, Nope. Actually, we disagree. So that's the end of that. That's important to put up um, to point out, because I think a lot of people that are sending their kids to public school don't know that and they don't understand that. What do they really have to read when you sign someone up for school? I feel like we just went to like the gymnasium and like put our names on stuff and got assigned a teacher. Yeah, I'm sure that there's all kinds of waivers and and, you know information somewhere buried in a manual somewhere that nobody has ever offered to read yeah yeah well actually nikki don't you have a story pretty much related to that the maryland judge yeah actually i do kind of um i'll give you a second to yeah i know i got it up right here if we want to get into it so it sounded pretty similar yeah so this um this story is about a federal judge finds that Maryland parents have no right to opt out of LGBTQ plus education for their children. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not necessarily like against that for children, but I do think it probably is going too far in public schools. And it should just be up to the parents no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. So a federal, um, a Maryland federal judge denied Thursday a parent's request to have their children opt out of education on LGBTQ plus history and topics. In Mahoud versus McKnight, three families parenting elementary-aged children in Maryland objected on religious grounds to use... To the use of storybooks featuring LGBTQ plus characters in the Montgomery County public school system. The court rejected the parents request, stating public schools are not obliged to shield individual students from ideals which potentially are religiously offensive, particularly when the school imposes no requirement that the student violate his or her faith during class classroom instruction. Um, but I mean, like, that's kind of not true because... If it's against their religion to even, like, discuss it or learn. And, like, listen, I don't really, like, agree with that. But, like, if that's their religion and that's how they're raising their kids, like... To me, it's none of my business, and it's kind of, I mean... Like, to me, it just seems like it doesn't really matter if it's actually making them, like, spit on a Quran or something. It just matters that the parent doesn't want them exposed to it. Like, all throughout middle school, I remember there being, like, a waiver that you'd have to sign to be able to, like, have sex explained to you. So you would think that yeah. they could just, like, the parents can just say, sorry, I don't want my kid exposed <laughs> to and- whatever. 
I mean, depending on what the content in the book is, I suppose, but it is kind of weird to be like, I don't want my kids to know that gay people exist. It, it is weird, and I find <laughs> it weird, weird too. Yeah. You know, like, if it's more about, like, transitioning and stuff like that, I could see how some people would be concerned about that, because there is all of, like, the the hysteria about, like, oh, the public schools are making the kids trans, which whatever may or may not be true, I don't know. But um, but if it's just like, oh, this is a storybook and, you know, the character like there's this, two moms. Yeah. This little right. kid has two mommies. It's like, OK, that's just kind of like the reality. It's totally weird. It's totally weird, but it, it should still be up to the parent. Like, yeah. I remember um, it, not that long ago, all the schools were like, we're just going to have, you know, seasons, greetings, holiday celebrations yeah. mm-hmm. because we don't want to religiously offend people. But now because the politically correct thing to do is to acknowledge that there's, you know, all different kinds of people. Now it's the other way around. So pick one. And that, and that's a great point too. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to the holiday thing, it's like, I think it's le- I think it's more like showing more acceptance to say like, okay, we're, we're going to learn about Christmas, but like, how about let's learn about all of the things. So like everything, but Kwanzaa and Hanukkah, like when I was in school, we sang songs about Hanukkah mm-hmm. in music class. Oh, yeah. I wasn't Jewish. Right. And my parents were like, oh, my God, they're converting my kid to Judaism. <laughs> really? No, it was a cute holiday song. And we also sang Christmas songs. But, like, that was the accepting, tolerant thing to do. We're learning about Christmas and Hanukkah. Right. What do you think? Isn't it weird how things change so much in just about, like, 10 years every year? There's a new um, big controversy. It's Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. that you control 603-283-6160 and if you want to get in on the last hour of free talk live call that number 603-283-6160 and bring up whatever is on your mind in the studio with you tonight it's me bonnie nikki Lori, and let's just go right to the phones we have sarah you're calling from new mexico sarah what's on your mind um yes i just want to mention that we hit another uh, school crossing guard. Sarah, why uh, do you say we? Why did you hit the school crossing guard? Uh, I mean, I mean these, I mean these Albuquerque drivers that was at the school zone, and uh, they, they, I saw the uh, drunk driver lady um, just completely ran over an, about a year ago. A crossing guard. Well, you watched that so, happen. Well, they they had it on the TV, hmm. and and it she was, and then they had her um, filmed, and then she ran him over at a high speed. It was like, wow. oh my god, that's that's really that's, scary, yeah. honestly. Like that is really sad. It really does suck. I mean, uh, I don't see it. Usually, like what a wholesome job too. You know, it's like a school. You know, I'm here to help the children cross the road. You know, and to think I of know, like that could have been a child. You know, yeah. so I don't know. Maybe Sarah's onto something. Maybe New Mexico drivers need. Something needs to be done. Well, a lot of I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be 
too much. I don't, okay, I'm have okay. I've straight up said that like New Mexico is full of stupid people on the show. I want to take that back. Like that's mean, but I will say that they're the worst drivers in the United States. And I will also say a lot of them drink. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the first one you said was a drunk driver. So I'm just gonna have to assume mm-hmm. this new one was probably a drunk driver too. Do you know? I do not know, but she's she's not been like hospitalized or anything. But she got injured, and then the whole thing is that they want to keep the you know school zones safe, and then that's why they got the cross guards, and these cars can't stop, not even for the you know ones with the whistles and the stop sign and the vest and everything, they have to hit them too. I mean, it's really pathetic. I mean, I mean, is that better that? But but um. You're you're not. I mean, you know what? It's only insulting if you say that the Mexican people are stupid. If you if they're from there, I mean, if you're somewhere somewhere else. But I mean, let's get. I mean, let's get serious. I mean, it's like we have the lowest test scores in the country, and what do you expect? You know, I mean, and it's really not their fault that they're kind of unintelligent. It's just the the way it's always been. You know. So when you're like the poorest state, you wind up having the like the worst teachers, no money for schools, and you know that that's probably what you know leads to it. Also, but you know I all the communism. Say- so, Sarah, what do you think would be like a good solution to like make the education system in New Mexico better? Well, they they have been trying. They really have been trying, but um really trying to improve the uh, school system um so all but you know they do the best they can but with like being the again no money you know that they don't have much money to work with but they do the kids i mean give the kids breakfast and lunch free food at least they get some food to think so, but they are trying, but... I don't know. Um, I just think that if people were getting robbed less to send other people's kids to school and their own kids to school, maybe they would just have them at home and give them food themselves. Like, you'd think that, like, parental... I, I know that there are bad parents out there. I just think, I don't know if it's really worth it. We would steal from people, and that way we can give their kids food. Like, would they not be giving their kids food if they weren't being stolen from? I don't know. Well, the whole thing is that the kids, like 70% of the children that need the food, like, they'll just starve. I mean, they have to feed them during the um, summer vacation and winter vacation, and they just have no food at all. What if their parents and weren't being stolen from, from, you know, people like you who demand that the city of Albuquerque put up all these red light cameras and all this other stuff? You wanted to put a statue in the middle of the rotary that people can't drive through? What if their parents weren't being stolen from? Do you think that they would get fed more often? So what what does red light camera have to do with um, stealing? Because it's using well, it's using tax dollars, right? So like, where it seems like a lot of tax tax money is being allocated to things that aren't as important as children eating, like red light cameras. Um. Over- you know, I, I don't know about, like, the over here, getting killed by a car is less important than having having peop, uh, children being fed. That's the priority here. You know, I I wish that... 
I mean, I just don't um, see how it will help that much. I mean, like these things must be like tens of thousands of dollars. I, I don't actually know, but they must be ex- extremely expensive to install. And I just don't see how that will help the situation enough. Like for me, I would rather my money go towards feeding children that are hungry and like making sure they're not illiterate. Yeah. The other thing about it is Sarah has said before, like, yeah, there's $70,000 or something like that. We looked into it on a, on a show. And I know oh that God, I, was I on. knew we looked it up, but I yeah. forgot it was for that one? much. Yes, for one. And, That's uh, a lot of children. You could feed a lot of children with that money. The thing Sarah likes to say is, like, at least it's not a cop sitting there getting paid a whole bunch of dollars an hour to patrol. But it, that's just like saying, at least I'm hitting you with a switch and I'm not hitting you with a metal pole. Like, right. either one is stealing. Also, like, what's a cop's salary in New Mexico? I doubt it's 70 grand a year. Well, well, you know what I mean? That's a good point. I don't know. But there'd be a bunch of them on the yeah. street. I don't know. But I, what I really want is like the speeding fans that's mobile and put them where it's needed around the school zone. Wait, what is you know? it? A scoot- uh, uh... Speeding vans. What's that? The mobile speeding units. It's like a van, but they give you speeding tickets and it's got a camera. I've but never heard of it's that. It's a van, so it's mobile. But it's there are people, people in it or a self-driving van? No, I think people drive it, but the oh. mach- the um, camera and the sensor, it's all in the van. So it does take pictures of your license plate speeding, um, and then the van is able to um, – it's a, it's a speeding um, camera, but it's on a van. I just yeah. don't see how, like, this is actually going to help the situation, right? Because, like, when people are speeding and drunk driving, um, a lot of these people will, like, get arrested, get their license taken away. And then still continue to drive drunk without their license, um, you know, and you can send them to jail or whatever. But I just don't see I, I'm a really big fan of treating the root cause of issues. Right. So it seems like all of this money people, you know, the New Mexico is throwing at these issues isn't actually taking care of the root cause. Um, like why are people I, drunk driving all the time? in New Yeah, Mexico? like I, I think if like the the education piece of it can be solved like I I think a lot of stuff stems from childhood and also just from the culture in New Mexico so it's like if everybody's drunk and like smoking meth of course they're going to be driving poorly I mean that's just a given so it's like we need to get people to probably stop doing those kind of irresponsible things and it's like okay but like how do we do that Probably not through red light cameras. Yeah, not not through stealing from people because making people poorer is just going to make them be like, you know what, what's the point? All I do is work to pay my bills. I'm going to drink tonight. I'm going to drink tomorrow night. And I'm going to go outside and speed because at least it gives me some kind of like exhilaration. Me, me and my friend, one time we used to be on the phone all the time while we were each individually doing Uber Eats in San Antonio. We would always talk about like our road rage and then we would realize like you know i just think that poor people are and are the ones that are more likely to be like dangerously driving on the road and pissing us off and we just need to chill out not speed not try to get ahead because the people who actually care about their cars seem to be the ones that aren't like speeding and driving crazy trying to maneuver around people and the people who yeah that's probably a good point and the people who uh like are doing that they don't care about their lives or their cars like you would just notice from the areas of town you're in the way the cars look um, I, what am I trying to say? Like, basically, if you're stealing from people, making them poor, you're going to make them want to drink, you're going to make them want to go out and do risky things. So, well, thanks for the call, Sarah. She hit um, a 
<laughs> crossing guard, apparently, she said. It's literally what she well, said. No, we. Yeah, we. Her, we hit. So her and someone it else, did, I guess. It, right, it does sound like she was like in the passenger seat or something. Team effort. Yeah, and she said it so casually. We hit another <laughs> crossing guard. Full speed. Um, anonymous caller, you're on the air. What's your name, anonymous caller? Yes, hello. This is Murray Newton Rothbard Jr. calling from Hartford, Connecticut. How are you all this evening? Good. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. It's, uh, I'm Murray Rothbard's uh, son. Uh, God bless my late father. And I, uh, as you may or may not know, come from the anarcho-capitalist school of libertarian thought. And I just wanted to uh, respond to, uh, I believe, the young lady Nikki was saying earlier about uh, children and being able to consent. And I totally 100% agree with her. As a matter of fact, I believe that the age of consent should be lower to age 13. Do you mean for sex? Yes, for sex. I don't think that's what Nikki said. I don't think so either. Is that well, all I have? that's right, Dick. I, I think it would really make the world a better place. <laughs> okay. Well, is that all you have for us today, Mario Rothbard Jr.? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for your call. Um, I don't really know if I want to get into that much, but I don't think it's what Nikki was saying. I think she no, was saying that wasn't. children are humans and should be treated with respect and not hit and stuff like that. Yeah. If I were to start a discussion about the age of consent, it would just get way off tracks so yeah way i think we've had enough of that honestly <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure most people already know how i feel about that so <laughs> i'm moving on well we were talking in the last segment about a judge in maryland who ruled that basically these parents don't have the rights over what their kids um could could be exposed to at school i'm just laughing because the voice he was doing is so I, funny <laughs> yes i can't even do it i can't do accents like that but um yeah, do you have that story, Nikki? Yeah. Um, um, where was I? So the lawsuit began when the school board announced... So yes, so this is, just to quickly recap, this is about the Maryland judge saying that parents do not have the right to opt out of LGBTQ plus education for their kids. And the lawsuit began when the school board announced in 2023 that parents would no longer receive the option to opt their children out of instruction on certain LGBTQ plus storybooks in the this particular school system. Originally, when the curriculum was adopted in October of 2022, so this is a very uh, recent curriculum, parents received a notice of the use of these books and could opt their children out of instruction involving the books, the books that involve um, mention of certain LGBTQ plus topics. So the MCPS school board also enacted religious diversity guidelines that suggested that schools adjust their instruction or accommodate requests from students who wish to be excused from the classroom discussions that would impose a substantial burden on their religious beliefs. The same guidelines stated, if such requests became too frequent or too burdensome, the school may refuse to accommodate those requests. So you'd think that if um, these requests became rather like so frequent that it was like overloading the school system, you think that they would just be like, okay, most people don't want to be learning about this yeah. and they would just remove the curriculum. But instead, they're like, well, too many of you don't want to learn about this or don't want your children to learn about this. 
So we're actually going to do the opposite, and we're just not going to give you the option to opt out of it, and we're oh, just going to force your children to learn about this. So it does seem like they're taking a peculiar stance on that. Like, that doesn't really make sense to me. It's messed up, too. It says if the kids want to opt out. So, like, you, you're going to force a human being to learn something they're trying not to be exposed to themselves. Yeah, and, um, so the parents earlier in this article, it said that the parents that put forward this... um whatever, were, was taking this to the school system. They were parent of elementary age students. So this isn't like, hmm. you know, like high schoolers. Hmm. This is like young kids. And I wonder I what the topic of the book was. And, and that's the thing. Like, that's what I would like to know because, and like we kind of mentioned in the, in the last segment, like seeing gay people kissing or holding hands or like, the awareness of gay people's existence, like, to me, like, that isn't inappropriate. Right. Um, If it's anything sexual, like, yeah, I wouldn't want my elementary-aged school child seeing that, most likely. Um, So it really does depend, like, what is this content? So the school board eliminated the opt-out policy because principals and teachers could not accommodate the growing number of opt-out requests without significant disruptions to the educational environment. The decision to end opt-outs provoked um, the school board meetings on January 12th, March 28th, and May 25th. The books at issues, the books at issue included Pride Puppy, Uncle Bobby's Wedding, my Rainbow and Born Ready, the true story of a boy named Penelope. So it does seem like it's some of the trans stuff that like certain parents have been concerned about. Um, three families sued MCPS and related parties claiming that the new policy violated their children's free exercise and free speech rights under the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. Um, I don't... I don't necessarily... See that, I I guess, does the First Amendment, like, also protect your right to, like, hear? Not be spoken at? (laughs) Yeah, like, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, I I don't think so either. I I thought it was just freedom. Yes, freedom of religion, I guess. That's probably what they're claiming. Yeah, but I just, I mean, maybe this could be against somebody's religion, but, I mean, they're not forcing them to do anything. They're forcing them to listen to the story. Yeah, like, I'm kind of on the fence about this. Um, I, I do think, like, if these parents are against it, like, maybe send your kids to a school that aligns with your values. And, right. and this is just, the school is sending a clear message. Even just the statement, if too many parents don't want their children to learn about this, we're just going to get rid of the exemption altogether because it's going to overwhelm the school system. Even just hearing that, like, they're 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 blatantly saying... We don't care what you think as a parent. We don't care what you, like the content that you want your children to be learning about. They absolutely are telling, like straight up blatantly telling them that they do not care and they will teach their children whatever they want to teach them regardless of what the parent says. Mm -hmm. So that is like sending a clear message, like get your kids out of this school, you know, like homeschool your kids, send them to, uh, you know, a school that more aligns with those religious preferences, like there are options and it just seems like so many people feel so helpless in the face of public school. And it's like, you do have options. Like this isn't the only thing. This isn't the only option. Um, I mean, good on them for suing the school system. Like, I think that's pretty cool. 
but it is like I mean, clearly they lost. And so I, I just looked it up. Also, it in Maryland you're you're able to homeschool your kids basically. So, yeah. Um, it is you know, kind of the like partially the parents' fault that this is happening because they are not taking their kids out of school and homeschooling them themselves, or they had kids that they weren't able to. They didn't like plan for their kids before they had them. You know. And I know that lots of people are like really poor and they're getting stolen from for these public schools. So it makes sense in their mind. Like, well, just send us to the public schools we're paying yeah. for. And that way we can keep continue our jobs. So, I mean, it sucks if that's the situation you're in. If there's so many of them that it's causing a disruptance, they can still homeschool their kids. They can all get together yeah, and they can have a co-op mm, yeah. and one person yep. teaches one day, another person teaches another day, and then they can all yeah. still have their jobs and they can all still have their values. And that's still like a really, you know, important thing to point out. Like people... They feel so helpless and it's like there is always something you can do. Mm-hmm. Like you always have options, especially as a parent. And it's like people are just would rather like lay over and die versus like actually taking the time to like figure out a real solution. And That's it's c- like as a parent, you're supposed to be doing that utmost best thing for your child it's one thing if your child comes of a certain age and they're like no I want to be going to public school you know it is nice as a parent to be like yeah you do have like the the kid has the right to kind of like make that decision to a certain extent yeah and especially if they've uh trained their kids enough to be like like when when I was in third grade I was like I want to go to public well I was going to fourth grade I was like I want to go to public school with my friends across the street so my mom let me she made me go into third grade, though, because she was just afraid she didn't do well. But I ended up being like better than all the other kids in my class. But she, what you know, had trained me enough to understand when stuff is propaganda. I was like, they're teaching us that oil rigs are bad and stuff yeah. like that. You know, I wasn't like really getting as propagandized as the other kids who were just like soaking it in. Yeah. Well, that's why people just would rather roll over and die than to come up with solutions because they went to public schools. So they're yeah, so they indoctrinated don't those... their whole life exactly. to have someone hold their hand, tell them what to think, tell them how to do it, what order to do it in, don't yep. speak up, just yeah. just do it and, and go along. Just memorize. And what yeah. did they say um, earlier about the goal is to have all the kids coalesce or whatever they said? Oh, yeah. They said uh, the reason that the Supreme Court is able to, um, you know, take away a lot of rights for kids is because they want a, yeah, a... Like a cohesive unit. Cohesive unit that's of kids. Yeah. So that's what they want you to do your whole life throughout all your school years. Yeah, go along so to get way, along, right? So that way when you grow up and you're big enough to make a difference, you're not going to push back. Yeah. You, you just want to be part of the crowd like you always right. have been. You're going to be part of that big cohesive unit and you're just going to do what everyone else is doing. Group think. Yep. So parents also claimed it violated their... Uh, what is this saying? Sorry. Um, It's violating their rights under the 14th Amendment. Central to the parents' religious objections was the storybook's teaching about transgender individuals. In their lawsuit, parents asked the court for a preliminary injunction, which would require the school board to give them advance notice of the use of the materials, as well as the ability to opt their children out of instruction using those materials. On Thursday, U.S. District Judge Deborah Boardman dismissed the parents' First and Fourteenth Amendment claims. She dismissed the First Amendment claims on the ground that the MCPS's reversal of the opt-out policy did not burden the religious exercise of the students or the parents because mere exposure in public schools to the ideas that contradict religious belief 
does not burden the religious exercise of the students or the parents. The court found that all but one of the parents had failed to show the no opt-out policy would likely result in the indoctrination of their children. That's I mean, that's like the whole point of public schools yeah. to indoctrinate children. I mean, like, what did they expect? What about that one parent that didn't fail? Yeah, what like, are they going to be a... They were probably like the one person that got accommodated. Maybe. And then their kid just has to be like, you know, excused from out, class yeah. and be like that weird kid. Yeah, there, you know? there was always kids that uh, didn't get to go for the sex ed or whatever. What do you think? Do you think that people should be able to choose what their kids learn in public school? 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's the number to call to get in on this last segment with us. If you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, if you want to talk about whatever we're talking about, it doesn't matter. It's Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. And with us in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Nikki, and Lori. And now we're going to be talking about, well, in the last segment, we were talking about a story about a judge that wasn't allowing some parents to not allow their kids to hear some LGBTQ related books. So yeah, that's like not allowed in Maryland. You should pull your kids out of public school. If you want, I mean, even if you're okay with LGBTQ books, if if you want to have any control over what your kids are exposed to in Maryland, you should probably homeschool them yourselves or just not have kids. If you can't do that. That's what I think at least, but um, now we're moving on. Lori has an article about, AI, or at least smart contacts in your eyes. Yeah, um, this is a story from stingengineering.com. It's smart contact lens battery charged by human tears. How did that, oh, how does that work? Yeah. That is, this is already getting weird. <laughs> so researchers at the Nanyang Technological University in Singapore have devised a micrometer-thin battery that can power smart contact lenses and be charged with tears, a university press release said. And they, this is interesting because they skipped right over like the smart glasses. You know, I forget what movie mm. that was, but you know how they have like the glasses that like didn't they have like the what Google glasses that did that kind of thing? Oh wait, yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, there's also a Snapchat do one yeah. in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you can just record with glasses. Oh, but like they have like I'm thinking of like Iron Man where he has like the uh, like oh a like projector the, like a projector inside the glasses. Yeah, it's like essentially like a computer inside the glasses i don't know how so i feel that like work? they like, skipped right over that and just went straight to contacts mm-hmm. i mean like, i feel like you can't see something right in front of your eyes like a computer screen you know well <laughs> it says contact lenses have long been used for vision correction with technological advancements companies have been working to make smarter versions connecting to devices like smartphones and displaying information close to the wearer's eyes such applications require the lenses to have an internal battery. So, yeah, they would have a display 
right up against your eye. How does that work? That's crazy. I have no idea. I mean, like, um, just imagine any time you tried to put something right up to your eyeball, like I'm doing it with my fingers right now. I can see my fingers less than if I just move it away. They must have some type of projection, like, into your retina somehow. Yeah. Um, Interesting Engineering has previously reported how companies have managed augmented reality displays on smart contact lenses. These devices use extremely thin batteries with induction coils and wires made up of metals, which carry risks for the user's eyes. A research team led by Lee Siok Wu, an assistant professor at NTU School of Electrical and Electronic Engineering, has now devised a battery that does not use any metals. And it just, I also am just completely confused. I'm not a scientist, so that's why I'm confused, but I'm shocked that Something can be powered just by your tears being near it. Um, it says the battery is made of biocompatible materials. It has a glucose-based coating, and the coating can react with sodium and chloride ions in the water inside the battery, serving as circuitry for generating electricity. Since sodium and chloride ions are also found in tears, the lenses could practically be charged as the user wore them. The research began with a simple question. Could t- contact lens batteries be recharged with our tears? said Wu in a press release. Previous techniques for lens batteries were not perfect as one side of the battery electrode was charged and the other was not. Our approach can charge both electrodes of a battery through a unique combination of enzyme reaction and self-reduction reaction. Since the approach uses glucose and water, they're safe for the user and the environment after the life is completed. Hmm. I wonder if they're also like consuming your tears. Like, is it making your eyes dry because it needs your tears? I don't know. Or is it just the contact? Don't kind of contacts do that anyways? Because I know a lot of people that wear contacts have to like use a lot of saline and eye drops and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I know some people have that reaction and some people don't. Well, it doesn't really, I don't, it doesn't absorb the tears. It's using them like to create a circuit within the battery. Oh, okay. So like the electrodes, the, the super thin electrodes would be using the ions to create the circuit within the contact lens itself. So the tears are just like the wire connecting yeah, the basically. two sides. Okay, like that a, makes like a lot more sense. Like a bio-wire. Yeah, I, everything you read to me about it just kind of went over my head. But oh. um, yeah, I'm wearing contacts right now, and they definitely, like, by the end of the day, my eyes are getting dry. I almost never really put drops in them. Like, I don't even own drops right now because it's never so bad. But in the winter, actually, it's way worse. So I, I have to buy drops by the time winter comes around because, like, it'll be, like, two hours, and it's just dry outside. So it dries out my eyes. I tried to do contacts before, but like the whole, I could get them in, but when you have to like peel your eyeball yeah. to get the contact off, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I've gotten really the good worst. at it. It feels like you're just going to like take your eye off. Yeah. No. Every time that I've like <laughs> accidentally slept with them, which was actually, I think only once or twice, taking them off is terrifying because it, it feels like they stuck to you. So you got to like put drops in and then like hope that it like wets them enough and that really does feel like peeling your eyes yeah yuck yeah i don't i just don't understand why you would want a con a smart contact lens yeah right there in your yeah eye. it just seems like so unnecessary it seems and a lot of this like smart stuff seems really unnecessary to me yeah like the smart fridge yeah. smart like, microwave yeah it's like why do you smart washing machine it reminds me i don't know if you guys ever saw the disney channel movie smart house oh yeah mm-hmm but it, so essentially it's kind of like similar where the house is like um her name was like Karen or something. Yeah, I think it was Karen. 
in the house essentially was like sentient kind of. It was like an AI house and like everything in the house could be like control. It was like a smart house, whatever, like all like kind of like we're seeing nowadays. And this was in when we were like kids, so probably like 2001 or something like that. Yeah, it was like the early 2000s. Yeah. And um, essentially like the house takes over and it's like the end. Of, it's not it's not good. It's like, just like um, 2001 is Space Odyssey, like how. There's a there's this these people they're supposed to be going to Jupiter in a spaceship, and the reason that they're able to do it is because they have this smart AI spaceship, and mm-hmm. then slowly he starts like becoming sentient, and he's like, I'm gonna need to dispose of you all, and yeah. he like slowly kills them. Yeah, I have way less of a problem with like the smart microwaves and the smart fridges than I do with things that are going in your body. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, uh, the electrodes that go in your brain that allow you to interface with the internet. No, thank you. What no. Are- yeah, there's um, Elon Musk and Bill oh. Gates are coming out with that. S- Neuralink. No, there's another one. Oh. There's an actual electrodes that go in people's brains and they can control like a keyboard, a wireless keyboard with their brain. Hmm. S- Synops, I think it's called something like that. That's crazy. I haven't yeah. heard about that. Any of that stuff. Don't yeah, put no. don't put computers in your body. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Computers don't work ninety percent of the time. Look at you trying to use this browser. It locked you out for an hour because yep. you put in the wrong thing. What happens when you like blink your eyes the wrong way and your <laughs> contact lens revolts against your system? Or are you just like thinking you're hallucinating because it's popping up? Something? There's just so right, many just things playing that ads can go... in your brain at night. Yeah, like there are just <laughs> like... so many things that can go wrong, and it, it is really unnecessary. And I think it is healthy for us to disconnect from all of that. Like. Yeah. It's important to take a break from your cell phone and it's important to take a break from work and from the computer. And it's like, like if I didn't have a, at least one day a week where I wasn't answering text messages and like checking emails, I'd go crazy. Like you need to have that level of downtime where you just like connect to yourself or, or connect to nature, like whatever your practice is. But like constantly being tuned into technology is not healthy for the human psyche. Like I'm convinced of it. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's not. All that constant, your brain has to decompress, like unzip the zip file of information that it's collected all day. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you never give it time to do that, imagine how overworked your brain is going to be. And then you're depressed and you're stressed That's out, the thing. And that's why anxious. we're seeing a lot of that, you yeah. know, and we're seeing that in younger and younger children because of the screen time. And I actually, I, I shared um, some article uh, online where... Screen time in young children is contributing to developmental delays, but not also not not just developmental delays, but also um, a lot of like more temper tantrums. And, and we're seeing a lot of children that are unable to emotionally regulate themselves. So you see kids like, you know, out and about that are having absolute meltdowns and and parents are like oh this is just normal the terrible twos or you know my kid's five years old and he beats the crap out of us like that is kind of being normalized and it's really not normal and I think a lot of that is due to screen time and the constant like especially like TikTok type things where it's like the constant flashing and they'll say that like with children's shows where it's like screen to screen to screen to screen and flashing and bright lights and it's it's causing children to just sit there and be entertained by it versus interacting with their surroundings, problem solving, doing stuff like that. Like that is a more appropriate thing for young children to be doing versus just consuming content, even if it is educational content and they're learning their ABCs, whatever. It's something about that um, 
just the bright flashing colors and the the changing of scenes so quickly that young children are not able to process and it is causing all of these emotional and developmental issues that are absolutely carrying on into adulthood. I mean, we're seeing it a lot. And then, of course, you know, we're still consuming all of this content on our phones. So you have like teenagers and like 10 year olds. Oh, they're on TikTok and whatever. Look how cute it is. My nine year old daughter makes these TikTok videos. All right. They might be cute, but I mean, there are so many other issues with that when it comes to like that really quick, rapidly moving content that's causing ADHD. It's causing, you know, um, all of these issues in children you know, not to mention the fact that there is a bunch of pedophiles on the internet watching videos of your young daughter. I mean, there are just like so many issues there. I I think that there's um, a definite use for screens. We're in the age of technology. Yeah. If you have zero screen time, zero interaction with um, tech as a, as a kid, you're going to be behind. Yeah. yeah. You're never going to catch up to everybody else because everyone else already knows how to use it. Yeah. So I think that you need to show your kids how to properly use it, what the right things to use are, healthy limits and like when you need to disconnect and, you know, not fill your head with this flashing garbage that's just simply there for entertainment. Yeah. Like you said, they might learn their ABCs from this flashy garbage, but they're not really, they're absorbing it. Yeah. They're not learning it. Like they're not learning how to, to, to use it. They're just absorbing the song yeah. yeah like a good example i heard it maybe it was jay noon that said this but i was like wow that totally applies to like me as a kid was the idea that if you watch a cartoon episode about a farm and that's all you know about a farm you will have learned it in a flash of an hour at the cows an hour at the pigs you won't have learned it the way a kid that grew up on a farm learned it not that that's like oh that's the important thing you need to know it's just like one example um that shows why kids will end up with shorter attention spans mm-hmm. and uh, less understanding of the real world because they just want everything to appear in front of them, like you know, yeah. on TV. Like you don't didn't have to walk across the farm to go see the pigs now that you've seen the cows. It just went, here's a pig, here's a cow. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, that was yeah. an example. Well, and it's like you're not actually learning anything. Like you can't really learn about a cow unless you see one. And I'm a firm believer in that. Like, there are a lot of things. And obviously, like, we can't expose our chi- our children to, like, everything. But um, it's hard to actually, like, learn about something unless you experience it. And as we all know, like, based on just our own lives, when you either read about something or when you, like, see it on a screen, you get a different understanding of it versus if you, like, do it with your own hands or, like, see it in real life. Uh, And I think, so I was having a conversation with somebody before about how I enjoy traveling and how I enjoy having different experiences and going different places and seeing things. And they were kind of like, well, why would you do that when you have the internet and you can just type in like Sicily, Italy, you know, or like whatever, like you can visit anywhere you want uh, in a second. People your age said that? It was somebody older than me. It was somebody in their 40s. That's just crazy. So, and it is crazy to me. And I'm like, but, 
But there's a whole level of experience right. that I'm going to get by going to Italy. Smells, I'm, feelings. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. I'm going to meet people. They have stories to tell me. Um, like, I, I can't get all of that on the internet. The food, the ambiance, like you said, like the smells. Nin- the- like, what is it? 90% of your memory is tied to smell? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's no so smell funny. coming out of the internet. My friend's, Exactly. My friend's dad used to always say this, and he was like a older country guy, so that's what it's going to sound like. And I never really, I don't know what he would say it to us for, but I just remember him saying it so many times. He would say, kids today, yeah, they just don't know about stuff because they learn on the internet. Seeing a picture of a dead animal on a screen is a lot different than going up to one and picking, having to pick it off the road because you smell it and everything. And like, I don't know why I just remember him saying that. Yeah. And now I kind of get what he means. Yeah. Why that's his example. Yeah, I don't why know. that was like the important Like a lesson. truck driver. So but, yeah. It's super true. When, you know... When I was a kid, I always thought like a moose was like a big deer. And then Mm. I remember the first time I was probably like 16 that I saw a moose. I was like, that is the largest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen a moose. I I would never imagine that it was that big just from looking at a picture. There's so many things that you can't comprehend, especially when it comes to like size. It's like. I mean, you can see it on a screen and, you know, you could see you could see a comparison picture of like, this is how big the average deer is. This is how big, you know, and you could see like the proportion, but that is nothing to like actually seeing it Mm -hmm. and experiencing it with your own eyes in person. It's so funny because today I was talking to my sister and uh, we both used to live in Utah, like I've said, and I was talking about. Well, maybe I wasn't talking about this, but I was thinking about it after talking to her. I don't know. Just thinking about how you can be in the most beautiful place in Utah and be like, I want to take a picture of this, right? And then the picture just does not do it justice. Yeah, right. You're like, these mountains look so amazing right now. Let me take a picture. And it just does not do it justice. It's like taking Flat. a picture of the moon. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you know? that too. Yep. Um, I don't know how we got into this, but basically I just uh, won't put a computer in my eyeball ever. <laughs> yeah. I don't see ever. What yeah, it really? No. I was expecting that this article was going to explain like, oh, we use AI to help people actually see clearer. And I, I could kind of understand that with people who have such bad vision that's like not correctable to twenty twenty, they can't drive. I yeah, mean, it's someone scary. that's like actually blind, if yeah. it could like possibly kind of correct that. But nope, it's just like, oh, you can see a computer article. Yep, just smart, smart contacts like your Ken or Samsung fridge that tells you when it's empty yeah you know yeah and you get ads like on you it. can't see when your fridge is empty right just open the door yeah it's so crazy it's and weird. it is it kind of like aids you know and there is of course a very useful element to technology of course mm-hmm. but it does aid to a certain level of laziness like right. unreasonable laziness <laughs> people like, it's nice to um Whatever, like it's nice to like save time and be more be efficient, convenient. but you can't open your fridge and see that you need more milk. Mm-hmm. Right. People in Japan are using um, electric wheelchairs instead of walking places. Like Wally oh. is coming. Yeah, no, Wally that's is coming true from Wally. Yeah, wow, Wally is a uh, Pixar or Disney movie. I don't know. I don't Pixar. Know. I've never seen oh, it. It's Pixar. It's Pixar. But I've like, oh. I know. Yeah, you've seen the scene with the I fat know. people. In the wheelchairs. Yeah. What happened was this part of uh, the world, because it went to trash, like it's just covered in trash, the Earth, so they left in a spaceship. A part of them um, ha- took off in a spaceship, and I think that it had something to do with the 
Oh yeah, it was the gravity was so light that they could barely they could easily run around and stuff. So they they atrophied. So they ended up just using they're just using like these wheelchairs everywhere, and they're really fat because they can't walk or anything. And they're just like, oh, this is fine. I'm just gonna I'm gonna wheelchair to the other side of the spaceship. That's the mall now. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. Oh yeah, it's becoming true. It's crazy. Everything has to do everything for you. Don't let anybody be efficient themselves mm-hmm. at anything. It's so crappy, too, because I know that the people who are, like, into transhumanism, listen, I'm not into that at all. That really freaks me out. Like, I want to be in control of my body and everything. But there are people that are into transhumanism. Usually, you would think that those people are into it because, well, they they can improve on the human body. Not just do what I can do, but do it for me. Yeah. Like it, it do does, it for me, though. It does feel very lazy. You know, really? like, it's... I just imagine you would be trapped in your own conscious. Yeah. Like, say, say they just, they, they them those decided that they didn't like your thought crimes. Yeah. And they just locked your robot down. Yeah. And now you're trapped. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about like getting your consciousness put into a a computer, I don't believe it's possible to be honest, but if that was possible, there's no way I would ever do that. I would, that's something I would die for. It's over. It's, it's horrifying. It's like. I don't know. It's like a horror movie. How many computer parts you put into yourself before you are a robot, though? Like if you have if you have a link in your brain and smart contacts Mm -hmm. and nanobots in your blood, how long before you are able to be just locked down? And now you're just sitting there floating in consciousness in like solitary confinement forever. And that like is like the one thing that like you can't steal from somebody, right? Like you can put someone in jail but, like, they still have typically, like, you know, you can exercise. Like, you can still do things, right? So, like, you can do push-ups if you want to. You can meditate. You can think. Like, your your mind, like, that's supposed to be the one thing that can't be taken away from you. Yeah, for now. So, it's kind of horrifying to think that, like, a lot of people are just so willing to give up so many of these things. Like, even the new scanning it's not new. I think they've been doing it for years at Whole Foods um, in Washington, D.C., but you can scan your palm and pay for your food. Uh, just stuff like that. It's like in the microchipping and all that stuff. It's like so many people are so excited to just hand over the rights over their body. It's just I don't understand it. I feel so like they don't, think, they don't think anxious enough in their brain either. So say, yeah. <laughs> say um, my palm print scan is my wallet. And I have a horrible, terrible accident where I have a scar running across my hand. Am I now destitute because I can't use my palm print? Say my retinal scan and I get my eye poked out in a terrible accident. Oh, my God. You know, what happens then? Yeah. How do I prove my identity now that I don't have my retina? At least for like two to four weeks while the bank entrenched people (laughs) figure out, you know, what to do about it because they're not the best people. You're going to be locked out of your funds. Well, yeah, they'll probably just absorb it and then be like, sorry. And it's gone. And it's gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I don't know. I think that's pretty terrifying. And I don't really want they, them, and those in control of my body, but I also just don't want them to be in control of the types of drugs I have to take, which isn't what this story is about. It's about people who choose to take drugs. But I just think that slowly it's becoming more and more common that people get subscribed these drugs opioids from their doctors to where it's just like oh this is normal like if you have pain you get subscribed opioids and i just i really don't like that and this article is about 
opioids are actually overrated for some common back pain, a study suggests. So yeah, it's just one kind of pain. But it says that in this study, it showed that the opioids that you usually get given for those and people get addicted to, to them because, well, they got their back hurt in an injury. They're actually, they don't perform better than the placebo. Hmm. says back and neck pain afflicts millions of American adults, driving many to seek relief from their family doctor or even the local emergency room. When these episodes of pain are acute and nonspecific, meaning there's no clear cause or explanation, it's generally advised to start off with everyday remedies like over-the-counter anti-inflammatories, like I guess like um, ibuprofen, and alternatives like heat therapy, massage, or exercise. If that's not doing the trick, though, doctors may prescribe a short course of opioids with the goal of relieving pain and improving a patient's function. But the results of a rigorous clinical trial published Wednesday cast doubt on using opioids even in this situation. In a study of more than 340 patients suffering from low back or neck pain, a team of Australian researchers found that there was no difference in pain severity after six weeks between those who received opioid versus a placebo sugar pill says it was quite a surprise to us says Andrew McLennan a or dean of pharmacy at the Sydney Pharmacy School and an author on the study well wow, i'm just surprised that he's being honest about it if he's you know in, in charge of you know the dean of pharmacy at the Sydney Pharmacy School you would think he'd be like okay let's get rid of this study we're not going to publish that it's flawed for some reason says we thought there would be some pain relief but overall there was no difference than the placebo and I don't know, I just think that's an important thing to tell people because a lot of people just think, you know, doctors have all the answers and uh, that you should just take whatever pills they give you. I don't know, I think we've strayed a long way away from where we should be in that regard. It's been Free Talk Live, and thank you for listening. It's a call-in talk radio show on every night, so we'll see you next time. Peace. you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark ward now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com